Hi, I'm Dave Eigenberg, and I play Herman on Chicago Fire, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. He's standing next to you, play your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shy Hearts. Welcome to episode 239 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today, we're going to cover episodes 5, 805, 1105, and 1005. Dare I say it was a semi-normal week in Chicago? I was going to say, I think overall, this has been, this was the best week of the season. I still think the premieres were slightly better, but... I still think the premieres were slightly better, but definitely, okay, maybe in a lot, basically since the premieres. Mm-hmm. I think this is the best week for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was a relatively normal week. Will broke the law. Um, and then got praised for doing so, so... Yeah. Brett got spooked by a clown. Uh, PD was dark. So yeah, it was just a normal week. Yep. Yeah. Back yeah. to as normal as we're going to get. Right. Right, right, right. So, all right. We always start with the news. We do have a little bit. There's some late breaking news that they tried to sneak in on us. Not today. Not today. Okay. We have episode descriptions for episodes six. So don't forget we're off next week. These are the episodes that air on November 2nd. November 2nd. The day after election day or is election day the week after? Election day is the week after. Okay. Okay. Yeah. November 2nd. Here we go. Med 806 is called Mama Said There Would Be Days Like This. Crockett adjusts to his newfound fame when he helps Will treat a local restaurant owner. Ethan, Charles, and Goodwin aid a new mother worried about hurting her baby. Maggie and Vanessa clash with a patient eager to get back to work. All right. I'm really curious about this Crockett fame storyline. Like, I, I think, like, obviously he's not going to handle it well, and I'm kind of going to be here for every second of it. Yeah, same. I'm I'm intrigued, definitely intrigued. And it, like in the promo, you see him wearing a suit and like, I just. And it seems like he and Will are going to clash. I mean, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be good. It is going to be good. And then like, I don't know when in, in this week's episode, when Goodwin was like, now you've got to be ready for fame. I was like, oh God, is he going to become like a Dr. Oz, like a TV doctor? Oh God, no. That would be hilarious. I feel like Crockett has a little more self-respect. Mm-hmm than to go that far because he's like at this point even we'll talk about it when we get to this week's episode but he was like yeah he's like or Dayton's like oh well what social media are you on and Crockett's like oh none like yeah I just don't see Crockett going that low yeah yeah take us through fire okay so fire 1106 is called all out mystery Severide and Kid investigate an explosion at a jewelry store Cruz and Chloe take steps to make Javi a permanent part of their family. And Gallo, Ritter, and Mouch try to bond with Carver. Javi! I know, I'm already like, the tears I, The tears are already going to come. But I swear, though, and a lot of people have said this online, but I swear, if this ends up being like a Louie or an Augie situation and like Javi is no longer in the family after this episode, we riot. Yeah. I can't handle another one. Clown mask at the ready. Yeah, I, I can't handle another kid that's like in the family, but then gets taken away. I just, I can't. Nope. They're really loving fucking with us emotionally this year, like more so than usual. Yeah. Yeah. 
Also, I'll take married so sever or stellaride on uh arson call. I'll take that. We haven't Ooh. had that yet. That sounds fun. Mr. and Mrs. Firecop. Yeah. And also I feel like Gallo, Ritter, and Mouch with Carver is gonna be an interesting combo. And speaking of bonding with Carver. (laughs) (laughs) Great segue. Great segue. We're chatting with Jake Lockett. Well, today, when you're listening with us, we're chatting with him today. Um, You'll hear it probably next week or closer to the new episode. But yeah, send us your questions. Let us know. If you're listening to this early enough. So like as soon as it comes out. (laughs) Yeah. In the afternoon, we'll probably have already spoken to him. But he's coming on the pod. He doesn't know it yet, but we're going to be friends. Yeah, we were just talking about how Gina and him are going to bond over Texas, so. The Texas connection, it's crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. So PD-1006 is called sympathetic reflex. Atwater's reactions during a tense arrest are called into question. The team must dig in to uncover key evidence that could aid in the ongoing investigation and clear Atwater's name. This sounds like a repeat of the Justice Pilot. I was going to say, I didn't think about it when I read this uh, description. And then when I saw the promo, I was like, this is literally just justice again. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it. (laughs) I don't want it. Yeah. That's, I mean, basically the, the promo photos, I mean, make it look really good, but judging by that description, it sounds like something goes down during the arrest and somebody dies and they blame it on Kev. And they have it on video or whatever. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. I just like, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be good because it's LaRoyce and LaRoyce always slays, but Mm -hmm. I just, I don't want it. Everybody's just hurting this year. Yeah. There's pain everywhere. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I don't know. We will see. We will see. The promo photos, by the way, for, um, for all three, actually, they're all out. They're all really good. This is the fire episode that Lauren and I saw film. And isn't this a PD episode you saw film, too? I've got to look at the foot. Or I've got to look at the promo photos again. Um, I don't think. I thought maybe- Lauren said this was the one you guys saw. Maybe if they were inside some auto body shop, then that is the one. But I know for sure the fire one, we did see them film the call. The jewelry store one? The, I I think it's the other one. I don't think the jewelry store was on this particular block. Gotcha. Or maybe it was, I don't know, but it was cool. It was cool. Saw the crane shot and like, yeah, those days are so long. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Filming is always really cool. So Yeah um late breaking news as in this just popped like a couple of hours ago on thursday when we're recording brenda take it away um so from our girl emily over at variety she has the exclusive that jesse lee soffer is going to return to pd to direct this season um he is going to direct episode 16 which will air of course in 2023 um, there's not many other details other than that, but fun fact, episode 16 is also the one that Brian T is going to direct over on med. So it's going to be literally a night of one Chicago actors making their directorial debuts. Okay. So we just need, who can direct fire at this point? Monica? I'm cool with that. I mean, at this point, like you might as well, they really just need to make someone come back and direct fire. Just for the trifecta. Just, just for the, pro- just for the promo aspect alone. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, I obviously, I think we all. I don't want to say saw this coming, but like, 
because we didn't necessarily see this coming a month ago, but we've all kind of been wondering whether this is what was going on, given how much he's been on set recently. And it would make sense that he's been on set shadowing directors. Because, like, why else would he be on set after he just left the show? But so I think we all kind of thought this was coming, but now we we know for sure. I'm, like, just kind of meh about it. I What, because you'd rather have him back on screen than... Yeah, him? yeah, I'm like, that. that's, I don't, I don't care. I want him back on screen. I think, I mean, yes, obviously I would love him back on screen. I think if this is what he wanted and like wanted to go try some different things, I think it is cool that he gets to do his first time directing on a show that he knows backwards and forwards and like can make that transition on a project he clearly still loves with people he still loves. I think that is very cool. But yeah, I would definitely obviously like to see him back in front of the camera too. Yeah. Um, but and it just still again adds to the weirdness of the whole jesse thing and like what is what is with these people leaving and then coming back to direct is that like part of their severance package or something i'm i don't know confused i don't know and i think it is like i said i think it's interesting that they're both doing episode 16 like of all the like why both of them doing episode 16 yeah on two different shows that seems a little weird um to me and then uh, this was, I know, a little topic of top conversation in the group chat, but does Jesse direct an Upton episode? Who knows? I said it's more likely to be a Void episode, just like, of, because of course. I, okay. I mean, I'm just kind of anything but that. Yeah, I know. But why should it be a Void episode? I'm trying really hard to go forward with PD with an open mind, but my goodness, like, I don't know. I'm in a weird, weird place with PD still. And I thought I was good. But after this week, it's just so heavy and so dark all the time. Oh my it God. is. And I mean, we'll say I'll we'll all save my thoughts till we get to the PD portion. But I still I despite it being dark, I still actually really enjoyed this week's episode. Yeah. But we'll we'll get there. No, we'll I mean it, it was a great episode, but yes, we will get there. You are correct. You are correct. So yeah um yeah that's about all we've got for the news so as always except you're now a married woman we'll say that now oh, now yeah. you've had your wedding had you are wedding. now officially a married wedding woman yeah yeah um, wedding. yeah the, the wedding has come and gone um our patrons made me the most incredibly thoughtful wonderful sweetest video um where everybody just kind of made videos just giving a, giving their well wishes which i mean you guys, oh my God, like way to make a girl feel loved. That was amazing. Um, and it was bookended by um, two very special cameos, one from Hanukkah and one from Jimmy. So that was really sweet. I just, wow, like, wow. I, I, I feel the love and I can't thank you guys enough. That's incredible. And thank you, Raina, for coordinating all of that. Um, Anytime. That's, yeah. what, that's what a bridesmaid does. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I would not have gotten through those couple days if not for both the bridal party and the pod squad um yeah i know it was a rough couple days just i mean i mean it was a great couple days like we had so much fun together and like brenna totally vibed with my friends and vice versa and like so did the pod squad not that i had any doubt not that i had any doubt i didn't either but it it was just nice to see it's nice to see Yeah. yeah 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 so um 
yeah, I would not have made it down the aisle if not for the both the bridal party and the pod squad. Um, it was it was fun. It was a really really great incredible weekend. It was like a once in a lifetime thing, of course. So, um, I mean, Brenna, you you talked too. You were there. I mean, I barely remember the reception. So you talk. Oh man, guys, it was a it was a fun it was a fun night. That was I your reception was a blast. It lasted like five minutes long no it was definitely not five minutes long but (laughs) it was really fun really fun night um gina looked amazing in her dress and she was just the most beautiful bride and i yeah it was just really yeah it was really it really meant a lot to me to be there and to stand beside gina's side and yeah i mean i could go on but like you know (laughs) we don't need to make the whole podcast about how much fun I had in Texas and I'm so glad you guys had so much fun I mean uh it it was it was great it is it was a blur it was definitely a blur I will say this too because obviously I think now that if you follow any any of us on Instagram or Twitter whatever that you know obviously getting the pod squad for the most part all of us except for Jules um got to be there in person and it was our first time all being together and I think it just really reminded me how special like fandom and online friendships can be obviously I was there at Gina's wedding which was also that was a really fun story to tell every time someone asked me it's like oh yeah and how do you know Gina and I'm like well let me (laughs) tell you like I just you know I think people especially you know years ago would be like oh you can't have like real friends from online and the more I think about and especially when I think back on that weekend like some of my best friends obviously you being the biggest example of this like are from the internet and you know I think when you go on the internet, you're looking for people who have your same interests and, you know, your same values and all that stuff. And I just, it, it's really special to have those friends. And I think getting to spend time with the pod squad and like celebrating you and I just, you know, it just really reminded me of that. And I think it's really, it's really a special thing. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. The energy that weekend was really incredible. So um, yeah, it was really, great. really fun weekend. It was great. I wish I remembered more of the reception because oh well, girl if you want stories i was completely sober i got you <laughs> stories i mean i don't have that many interesting stories but like whatever you want to know i will tell you because <laughs> i was completely sober so um i didn't find out until the day after that we we did have a guest who got extremely trashed um oh and, yeah that was and ended yeah. up passed out in the bathroom and i'm really glad i didn't find out about that until the next day <laughs> oh that's a different guest that got really yeah, because your other guest that also was really out of it and peed in the bushes. Oh, I know about that one, too. Yeah, you know about that one. But yeah, you had two guests then that were, yeah. 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 And then um, Amy, one of my maids of honor, who you've heard me refer to a million times, she reminded me earlier this week. She was like, oh, yeah, but then by the end of the night when you were laying on the floor telling everybody you loved them, I knew you were better. And I was like, I did that? Um, oh yeah there's photo evidence there's that. photo evidence which once they brought it to my attention I was like I do remember that actually um yeah you were you were definitely by the end of the night you were a little drunk too but it's fine just just much better than 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 I started yeah uh, true, true. It, yeah yeah it's it, it was great it was just you know if you're a person who suffers from anxiety it these things are a little rough and I had my yeah. moments moments plural for sure um yeah 
yeah my sister was so funny she was telling me like later on um she's like yeah when you disappeared at the reception I was like oh my god where is she and then I walked in and you were just like surrounded by this circle and I was like yeah that's the pod squad like yeah I mean that's what the pod squad does so yeah yeah it was great it was great so yeah yeah married woman honeymoons in like a month and change um yeah yeah that's you're like not that it feels any different but like no no and I mean it you know and it it was a great weekend I just I mean the only thing I can really say right now I'm just like I wish I remembered more of the the reception I swear to god the reception lasted five minutes yeah well that's what happens I feel like when you're in the middle of you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing you don't remember you know anything yeah so but it was great. It was a wonderful weekend. It was once in a lifetime. And the pictures are all over our socials. And once we get like the actual pictures back from the photographer. I'll say, I'm sure if you follow Gina on Instagram, you'll yeah. see all the pictures. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have a ton though. I have like, we took a selfie when we got back to the venue and that's really it. And then like, I actually did a pretty good job of not being glued to my phone, which I didn't you think I did. You left your phone like in the other side of the venue for basically the whole night. Which is, I mean, anybody who knows me know that's that's unheard of. Um, you don't even think I knew where you knew where your phone was half the night. You were like, where's my phone? I was like, I don't know. I know. I just kind of depended on everybody else to be like, oh, I know where it is. Or like, take or like, what time is it? Okay. It's yeah. No idea. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It was good. Um, yeah. So <laughs> um, let's, let's move into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Let's start with med. Um, this was a good one. This was a good one. Yeah. This was, this was probably one of my favorite meds so far. We're getting to know we're getting to know Nellie a little bit more. I'm still not there yet though. Like I thought this was a, her best episode for sure, mm-hmm. but there's still nothing that makes me go like, oh man, like Nellie, that's my girl. Like I'm not no. there yet. I'm warming um, yeah. up to her maybe, but I'm not saying like I'm still like, yeah, she's okay. Definitely still my favorite of the, you know, newbies. Yeah, I'm not there yet with her. However, given this first scene and the little tidbit she drops. Nellie, girl, I am ready to fight your parents. Like, send them yeah. my way. I will fight them for you. Yeah. Like, I'm here. So we start off with Dr. Charles and Nellie, and they're just kind of going through the patients from the night before. And it sounds like they basically were, Night Shift basically left three psych patients. And so Nellie's a little frustrated. There's no beds in the psych unit. So they just kind of end up shuffling patients from one place to the other. She's just frustrated. And then she mentions to Dr. Charles that her parents don't even consider her a real doctor. The way I was ready to throw down, I was like, Nellie, honey, like you just tell them where I am. I will fight them for you. I've got your back. Like, I will say though, the thing that I've liked about med both last season, because it definitely started last season and this season, I really have liked and liked is maybe a weird word, but I really have liked the fact that med has really tried to show like, no, like psychiatry and going to therapy, like that is medicine. Like that is part of your mental health and your medical, I mean, your physical well-being. It is all tied together. And like the fact that people have for so long just kind of dismissed it all, you know, I mean, it's terrible. And I really like the fact that med has really taken a focus to like try to shine light on like, no, like psychiatry is, you know, real medicine, you know, so, you know, going to therapy is like, a medical thing like you know all of that is medicine mm-hmm. um and i really has like the fact that med has shown tried to show light on that yeah they're doing a really good job of highlighting that this year and yeah i mean they do a good job of highlighting it every year but especially this year especially now that they've brought nelly in i'm, I'm starting to really like what they're doing together and um 
Connor, the script coordinator at Med, he told us like a while back, he's like, you're going to fall in love with her. Just wait. And I was like, and now I'm like, oh, I see it. All right. All it's right, getting right. there. We're not it's- there yet, though, Connor. We're not there yet. No, but I've got her back, which is a step up. Like in past weeks, I've just kind of not cared. This week, I'm like, I got you. I'm like, if they keep her on this path, I can, you know, and she's not fighting with Dr. Charles all the time because she thinks she knows better. I can handle that. And I think we'll get there, you know. But yeah. Just more of this version of Nellie and less of like the previous version. Yeah. And, and okay, I've experienced something similar to this, like sort of what, what Nellie is going through with her parents, where like I've, I've had people tell me before that I'm not a real lawyer. And like, you want to talk about like five words to piss me off in like two seconds? Right there. Right there. So feel for her a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a patient who was found wandering around. He doesn't know who he is. And while that's happening, there's an old lady named Eleanor who approaches Dr. Charles. This is the first time that we kind of had like two things going on during a- For the same doctor. Yeah. 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 So this woman, Eleanor, approaches Dr. Charles. She's been in the ED since the previous night, and she was supposed to have a van take her home, but it never came. So it's like this medical transport van or something like that. Yeah. And so Dr. Charles is like, okay, well, let me grab Maggie. And Maggie goes, I'm going to make a call and light a fire. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, I feel that energy. That was me after 1103. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. Feel that energy on a spiritual level. Yep. So back to their other patient. Once he's more lucid, they talk to him. And so he makes a comment about how going outside is dangerous and you always need to have a hiding spot because he really didn't understand like why he was found outside at first he didn't know his name or anything and now he's like that's weird I wouldn't have been doing that I don't quite know why like yeah yeah so Eleanor is still there Maggie sets or, and Maggie needs the room so they're really highlighting like the, the supply shortage this season and just capacity and and how they're really like the they're really going there yeah yeah and so Dr. Charles is like okay well just go ahead and set up a spot for Eleanor like don't put her in the waiting area but like I'll give you the room just just let me handle this and so they just kind of take Eleanor from one spot to the other so they get to the bottom of what's going on with this guy so there had been a shooting like two or three weeks prior in front of his apartment and Nellie talked to his sister and it turns out that he had just kind of shut down after the shooting. It happened right outside. So like he bunkered down in a closet and just kind of hid and he's been kind of off his game ever since. Turns out it's a trigger. The the shooting was a trigger for him. And Nellie brings up a point that I, I mean, I am old enough that I did not have to worry about this in school, but Nellie said, she's like, I was in sixth grade when we had our first active shooter drill and it's terrifying. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that at school. Like, oh my God, I, I was a little too old for it, but it was it was an interesting like connection. But the minute he said outside is dangerous, I pulled it together. I was like, okay, I think I know what he's referring to. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because I was something I was thinking a lot about because I was kind of on the cusp of like having missed it, like just barely because Sandy Hook was my senior year of high school. And I think that's at least, in my mind when a lot of that changed because like I can remember even after Sandy Hook them being a lot more cautious about like you have like basically after a certain time like the doors are locked and you know like all the security stuff kind of changing a little bit in that regard I don't think we ever did a mass shooting drill that I can remember but I feel like it's become obviously in the last 10 years that would have been 2012 
you know, in the last 10 years, it's become a lot more prevalent. So I kind of was on the cusp of like just missing it too. But yeah, I can only imagine being in school now and just kind of what that's like. There was some news this week out of my home state, which is the most bass backwards political. Are you talking about the, um, the, like the kits, the DNA yes. kits? Yeah, yes. I saw that. I almost oh. sent it to you and I, this morning and I forgot. And I was like, this is why I'm not moving to Texas. Like you tried last week so hard to get me moved. And I was like, nope, this is why. This is like probably number reason one why. Well, and and I mean, number one reason being that Texas hates women, but that's another well, podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Number two reason. Yeah. Why. No, te- well, te- yeah, Texas hates women. But um, in, in, in my home state of Texas, they've been sending home DNA kits with kids. Uh, uh, what? Basically for like, oh yeah, if you get killed, like your parents will be able to you know, identify your body. And I'm like, what? They sent him home under the guise of saying that like, this could help find missing or trafficked children. No, Don't, no, no, no. We all know what it's for. Like, I we live, all know what it's we for. all know what it's for. But I live in a state where we would rather have the guns and, you know, yeah. identify the kids later than vice versa, which like, yeah. oh my God. So, I mean, this patient, you can't help but feel for him because it's it's a completely valid concern for sure my mind is just like my mind's blown it's a good thing we have election day coming up but that's all i'll say about that yeah get out and vote people yes go make sure you're registered go do the thing well maybe a little too late to register but if you are registered go out and vote yeah maybe not we won't know and I will be sure to remind people on the next podcast because oh, yeah. we will have one more at least before election day. Get out there and vote. Do the thing. Do the thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So they they figure that out about the, this kid Harris is that Harris is the patient's name, and they 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 make the connection right as Maggie comes up and is like, "So he's gone." Yeah. So. Uh-oh. I know. Uh oh. Across the hospital, and we'll get to Archer in a minute. But across the hospital, Archer and Asher kind of have a little spat, and poor Eleanor is like, "Now the doctors are fighting." Which, like, honey, welcome to Chicago Med. It was like this is just another day that ends in Y. Yeah, this it is- was really funny though. She just the way she said it, coming from like the older lady, and it's just like, "Oh, now the doctors are fighting again," and it's like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. So she's just like, "I really just want to go home. I really just want to go home." So. They finally put the pieces together. This poor woman has been in the ED all freaking day and she had stayed the night the night before. So this woman has not taken her meds. She hasn't eaten. She hasn't drank anything. Like she's miserable. Yeah. And so it, it's insane because like they, the the van finally gets there. They wheel her out and she's just, she's at capacity. Like she can't take it anymore. And so she's still there. The van doesn't come. She starts crying. And at that point, she just gets so frustrated. She's like, I don't care anymore. I just want this to be over. Like, I'm tired. Make it stop. And that's enough to earn her admittance into the psych ward, which did seem a little bit overkill to me, but I guess. Yeah, I I mean, it seems a little overkill to us, but obviously they have things they have to go by in case it sounds like someone, you know, Mm -hmm. which I get, but, you know. Yeah. So... It's just, I mean, you know, they were fighting tooth and nail for this Harris guy to get a bed. And then all of a sudden you had sweet Eleanor who just got a bruise on her hip and she slipped through the cracks. And yeah, by her slipping through the cracks, you've cost her an extra night in the hospital and added expense and all of that. And they're lucky it didn't go worse. I mean, obviously we don't know what kind of medicine she was on or anything, but like, you know, it could have been a lot worse that like, even though she just 
entered the hospital with a bruised hip you know she could have you know fainted she could you know she could all these other things that terribly that could have happened to her and it's just like what because someone didn't come pick her up yeah yeah and i'm like i mean i I understand why they probably waited for the medical transport van but this could have been solved so quickly if they had just called her an uber which i mean that's what they well and that's what they even say at one point they're like i think it's maggie's like should we call an uber taxi and they're just like no let's you know we are we're we're used to de- dealing with like medical transport. Like, let's just stay with them. And like, I get it too, but like, still, still, yeah, they are doing a really good job of conveying the struggles in hospitals right now. Yeah, um, I and like, yeah. I, it's really frustrating. It's just like really frustrating. It's frustrating to watch as a viewer. It's frustrating to see happen if you are like in the medical field or like adjacent to the medical field. Like, I know I've been. Like, it's frustrating to see from the patient point of view, which I have also been going through recently. Like, it's just a really frustrating time in medicine in general. Yeah. And I do think they're doing a really good job of showing it. They are. They are. So Nellie's still frustrated at this point. And she's just like, all we did was create more patients. Maybe my, pa-, like, she's like, maybe my parents were right. Don't you believe that for a second, Nellie? I will come yeah. kick their ass so fast. Uh so Harris just magically returns to the ED. He just walks back in, readmits himself. Yeah. And asks specifically for Nellie. And so before she goes, Dr. Charles is like, hey, you know, I know it's really hard right now. And I know it's easy to kind of get down, but you got to win today. So celebrate that. Yeah. Which is, I, I feel like, I feel like we could take every positive affirmation that was given in last night's One Chicago Wednesday and just take it and apply it to real life. Like take your wins where you could get them. Yes. A thousand percent yeah always so i'm glad we're getting to know her a little bit more a little bit there's still more i want to see and i'm still not like a hundred percent the nelly fangirl but we're baby steps baby steps i like her way much better than any of the other intern fellows way more than kai so yeah and there was no kai this week so that it was such a breath of fresh air yeah which is terrible to say but it was such a breath of fresh air it did make the episode a lot less abrasive so much better <laughs> but, but with that said Devin who plays him he's gonna be our friend too like, I know we really need to reach out to him because like we do it's we gonna do. happen and he comes from a theater background so we're just gonna nerd out like we're we may not like Kai but we're gonna be besties with him I just feel it's it. gonna happen yeah yeah I feel it so um we got some listener thoughts on this one Heather B said I didn't expect to like Dr. Charles and Cuevas's storyline this week but the way that they dealt with the patient and trying to help Eleanor made them feel stretched very thin drove home the idea of medicine being impersonal again but in a different way and one that involved Dr. Cuevas I'm gonna be really sad if this is a storyline that ends with Dr. Charles choosing to step away from medicine because I can't imagine med without Dr. Charles I also hate that I feel like I can't trust that any of my favorites will be around for long. We're not even putting that in the universe. Yeah, let's, Heather, okay. we're not even going there. Let's just break this into two different parts here, okay? So, so totally with you on not trusting that any of your favorites are going to stick around. Same. My God, the shyhards have. Trauma. I have such trust issues after everything the last few weeks. Oh I just God. can't. I know. I know. Part of me just wants to be like, "Wow, take a drink." Nobody left this week. <laughs> Uh, but actually though but actually though yeah but okay let's i don't i don't think doctor i don't think we have to worry about that um i say that like clown mask at the ready Um, knock on wood yeah yeah i i don't think we have to worry about that i think dr charles's heart will always be in medicine i don't think he'll step away what would he step away for i mean because he hates the system no i i think he would still stay in it i do too i think yeah 
like I said, we're not, I'm not even going there. I can't, my, my brain can't like comprehend that idea right now. Like I'm just not in the, no, we're not even putting that out in the universe. And now that it's out there, I'm nervous. I, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Um, we trust need merch issues. about trust issues. We need merch about that. I have such trust issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Of course I have trust issues. I watch one in Chicago. Yeah. <sighs> but that was a good one. But yeah, no, now I'm worried about it. So, um, yeah, elsewhere in the hospital, we've got Vanessa and William. These two. Oh, boy. whoa. What a, what a storyline. You could take any Will storyline from any of the past seven seasons and cut, copy, paste it and just Photoshop Vanessa in. And that's what this one was. This is literally her becoming a mini Will 2.0. And I don't know how I feel about it. I still don't hate it, though. I know. I was just going to say you love it. Well, okay. That's right. Everything will, everything pro will that comes out of my mouth means like nothing. Even if will does something where I'm like, I don't agree. It still means nothing. Cause then everybody is like, no, you love it. Yeah. Anything just like Nick related or will related. It's just like Gina. It's just like flagged Gina. Like it just ends up in the group text is like, Gina, here's your man. Like it's just, I'm not even going to argue that. Cause it's totally true. It's true. There's a, we have a follower on TikTok and the handle is something about like Nick Elvis's future wife. And uh, it popped up in the group chat and Lauren was like, Gina, you really made like a separate handle. I'm like, no, no. It's like, I already got married. I got married. I'm <laughs> no, but you know, it's, but it's yes, funny. but no, yes, but no. So uh, take it away. Okay. So we start and we get a little bit of an update on Vanessa and Will's patient from last week. Vanessa checked in. She's doing a lot better, which is really great to hear, despite the fact that they did not handle that properly or whatever, illegally, all the things, but she's doing better. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day. But then, so Maggie makes a comment and, you know, to Vanessa, Will leaves or whatever and goes and does something. And Maggie makes a comment to Vanessa and she's like, well, you and Will are getting close. And she just like, it's like clearly Maggie's trying to be like mama bear without actually being mama bear. Because she sees that, like, something's going up. Although I think at this point, she thinks it's, like, in a romantic sense. <laughs> Which is just, just like, no. 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 I, I don't really like this, what Maggie's doing, though. And this is not the first time. Literally, anytime, I feel like anytime Vanessa interacts with anybody in the hospital who is not her, she has to, Well, she to, like, did this with it. Crockett, too, last yeah. year. Remember? Wait, obviously, granted, that was a little... Vanessa had a crush and she did not handle the crush appropriately, but still we didn't need Maggie being mama bear, which is why Vanessa and Maggie had the fight in the first place because, you know. Yeah, but it's literally like if Vanessa interacts with literally anybody in the ED, but Maggie's like, oh, hey, I saw you talking to Dr. Asher earlier. Yeah, I was in her way and she said, excuse me. Like, that's yeah. great that you're, you notice that I'm interacting with people, but I just, I don't like what Maggie's doing there. Let Vanessa be. Yeah, no, that's true. But also at this point, everyone was thinking that Will and Vanessa were like dating at this point. I was like, uh, no, but we also knew all the details. So we knew why they were interacting, but still. Yeah. But anyway, so a patient comes in from the Ambo and lo and behold, it's the drug dealer. Funny (laughs) how that worked out. (laughs) Honestly, though, when we were making guesses about how this storyline was going to go down last week. That was not, this is not what I had pictured on my bingo card. Like, none of this is what I had pictured on my bingo card. I knew it was going to come back to bite them. I just didn't expect it to do so this quickly. 
No, I thought it was going to be like the mid-season finale. They were going to get in big trouble. Like, good, it was going to be more of a Goodwin thing. Like, I had all these ideas, and this was not how I thought it was going to go down. Right. Like, at all. But anyway, so they went to med school together. And I missed that detail. Were they, like, like, was he on his way to becoming a doctor, or was he a drug dealer? Well, we don't know friend? that much. She just made the comment last week when she was like, yeah, someone I knew from med school has access to these pills. That's how she, like, made the, you know, presented it to Will. Yeah, okay, okay. So, like, we don't know for sure anything. We just knew that they knew each other from med school. But anyway, so Devin gets, like, real combative real fast. He, I mean, a medic tries to take him down, then Archer, then Ethan, and, like, Archer gets the worst of it. And at one point, Devin throws the, um... The defib. The defib, yeah, I was looking for the word. Through the window, like, through into the one of the exam rooms. It's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah. Yeah. And like we said, Archer gets the worst of it, which is also like, if this had happened last season, I would have laughed and been like, that's hysterical. Archer deserves all of it. But now that I'm like a half Archer stan, I'm just like, oh, no, I don't want Archer to get hurt. Like, no, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. So this is where we get this like moral dilemma from Will and Vanessa because he's got like hard drugs in his system not even like the got, pill yeah, they basically find out that he Devin is on cocaine laced with fentanyl I mean it's like it's really bad shit and so Will and Vanessa have this like heart to heart like they're like Will's like we have to call the cops and Vanessa's like I don't know and Will's like no 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 like we have to loop in you know basically we have to loop in my sister-in-law like this is no we have to do this and while they're having this conversation they're on one side of the ed and then maggie and doris are on the other and again everyone thinks they're involved because doris is like i think they might be a thing and maggie's like <laughs> maggie just gives her the biggest glare but it's also like of course what first of all of course doris would think they're a thing because it's doris of all people and two i mean I don't know. I just, Maggie, again, it's just like, I. it's obvious that Ma- that's what Maggie's thinking. That Will is like taking advantage of her. Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't even, I didn't even think of it that way. I just thought that that was like such a fantastic Doris thing to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I was just glad they gave us that moment. Cause that's like, that's something in the white space that like you wouldn't usually see. Well, and also we don't, first of all, we haven't seen enough of Doris this season. We need more Doris. Yeah. We need more Doris. We need, and we also really, really need to get Lorraine on the podcast too. We really do. How have we never done that before? I don't know. We got to start making a list of all the people we got to try to get on. I know. Well, there's a lot of people. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and I just think, like I said, it's one thing when you see like in the first interaction, Maggie's like, ooh, like you and Will are getting close. And it's like, oh, that could be a friend, you know, whatever. But then once like you see Maggie give the look at Doris, it's like, oh no, Maggie thinks there's like actually something happening pretty funny but also like it just cracks me up how will thinks he's so righteous but he's actually just a giant mess like he's like oh we have to be like boy and girl scout here we have to call the police well you didn't call the police last week when it totally worked in your favor to use the drug dealer right and it's like last week you you literally were in the moral like last week you didn't think you wanted to do it and if you really didn't want to do it you wouldn't have done it yeah yeah even if, it, even if it was what was best for your patient, ultimately. Yeah. 
if you were really that conflicted, you would have run it by Goodwin, run it by Arthur, run it by like pretty much everyone before you did something, but you didn't. You still ultimately went that way. So like you couldn't feel that bad about it. Exactly. And and I see I see the difference between the two. Obviously, that was that was a med that they needed and it was, you know, used as a party pill. So whatever they like, they grabbed it. I see the difference here. And then with this one, it's a bad batch of drugs that could be killing people. But also, come on, Will. Come on. Yeah. Like, don't act like such a Boy Scout. You're not. Yeah. But this is where it gets kind of hysterical because <laughs> we like, so basically they, Goodwin finds out. There's like, they're like, Sharon, we have a situation in the ED. And like her face and the hand, like she knew that it had to do with William Halstead. She, she just, really she did. Knew. She knew that it had to do with Will because it's just like, oh, what did Will do now? Like, it's just like really good which is like really it was really. i mean i think i think if it wasn't for the hand i mean the face would have sold it by itself but the hand just did it when she just like it was kind of like a like a, a whatever type hand but also like a hold the phone kind of thing she she knew it was will immediately and she didn't even have to say it she was just like oh what did he do yeah so funny well and it's funny too because it's like i cannot believe you put this hospital in that kind of legal jeopardy and it's just like where have you been for the last eight seasons like you've been the attorney in this hospital for how long you can't believe it really right i mean will and legal trouble just goes together after i mean it's like peanut butter and jelly it just goes together what i was dying at was the image of will and vanessa sitting there like misbehaving children like they're like outside of the principal's office just waiting oh, for the punishment my. oh it sent me i thought it was so funny because you know vanessa was like terrified and will was just like this is a day that ends in why it's literally like, like they're sitting you know like when you i picture them i mean kind of like that but like you know when you get you know in a movie or whatever you have the principal's office and then there's the bench outside and you have the kids sitting there waiting to go in to talk to the principal that's how i picture and like usually one of them is like terrified about the principal like suspending them or whatever and then you've got the other kid that's just like oh yeah i don't care Quite that literally. was them in this situation and just how how you got the you've got arthur the attorney guy he's just like i can't believe you would put this place in legal jeopardy and then goodwin like piggybacked it was like yeah and do this it was just kind of like i have expected will and vanessa to be like sorry mom sorry dad yeah. like, it was really funny and it, i realized it shouldn't have been but it was really funny yeah well they're not even i mean comparatively to maggie i mean maggie is way more mad than arthur and goodwin i mean maggie is pissed yeah that especially she's way more pissed at will than she is vanessa because she thinks that will having known will for all these years mm -hmm. that like will dragged vanessa down into this which is just like lol that's funny that you think it was will's idea this time it was mag or it was vanessa's but mm -hmm. yeah also like the fact that the state department is unlikely to pursue charges and the fact that like also we get a Haley and will conversation happening in the white space he's like oh yeah let me reach out to my uh to the intelligence to Haley. And it's just like, you mean your sister-in-law? Yeah. You, know, you are still actually family just because your brother left. Yeah. Okay. And and I, I brought that up here in the outline too, is that that's the second time now that Will and Haley have had a conversation in the white space. Enough. Yes. Enough. I want to see it. Like, yep. get, get it out of the white space and make it canon and put it where we can see it. Because we need to see these two doing something and coping in some sort of way about Will leaving. Because... Even if Will is like, I think the change will be good for him. I'm sure part of him is struggling with it too. Well, no, you saw the look on his face. I mean, he says that, but like, does he really mean it? No. I mean, maybe yes, but like also I don't, I think there's a little bit of doubt there too. 
And I think that, that like hit that Jay going away with the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, if it also begs the question and this kind of dabbles into the PD territory, but like, is Will checking on Haley or is their relationship even there that like they can check on each other or is it, would it be kind of weird? I have a million questions. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's such a hard question to answer because like, if we take what the show is actually given us and what is actually likely canon, I want to say probably not. But if I, in my head and, you know, what I think actually probably happens or what I want to happen, then yes, of course he does. Mm-hmm. But like, given based on what the show has actually told us, I don't know. Right. I, I have no doubt if their relationship were there, I think Will would proactively check on her. But I don't know if their relationship is the kind where like, it's awkward if it's just the two of them. And it's one of those things, too, honestly, and I don't know how much this really would have played into it, but it's one of those things where you, if you think about when Upset really got together in terms of being a couple, obviously it was right in the middle smack dab of COVID. It was at the beginning of season eight, so like the COVID season. Mm -hmm. And obviously we weren't doing crossovers and things like that then, and like not even the small tiny ones were like, you know, just Nick goes over to PD for a little bit or anything like that. And I really wonder did that have any effect on this kind of thing? Because we haven't had a Holstead brother scene, you know, in like two years, basically, until last week when we got the Will mention of Jay. But like, you know, would we feel differently about the Haley-Will relationship if we had gotten to see more of their interactions over these last like COVID seasons? Maybe. And maybe it's just like the unfortunate casualty of a COVID, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. So then we go back to Maggie being mad and she just, I mean, she just lashes out at Will and like, Will just takes it because he obviously doesn't, Vanessa's the intern or Vanessa resident at this point. She is right. She's not just an intern anymore. I think she's a resident. But anyway, like Will being her superior, he doesn't want Vanessa really getting that much in trouble. So he just takes it, but it's just like, Maggie is pissed. She is. But when she walks off, Will's face is just kind of like, I deserve that. Like, yeah. he's, he's just way too good at going through the motions of, like, I'm going to break the law today. And then, like, I know what's going to happen now. And then what makes this even worse, so Goodwin rounds Maggie, or not Maggie, Vanessa and Will up. And it just, like, everything about this shocked me in a way it probably shouldn't have. But we're just going to play the clip. So, the board is not happy that two of our ED doctors went to a street dealer. Yeah, that's good I'm one. sorry, that... Mm-hmm but they're not going to press the matter any further. You're good doctors. You're fighting for your patients and you're being put in an untenable situation. And I'm sorry about that. I I understand with your backs up against the wall, how you need to look for creative solutions. All I ask is that in the future, you give me a heads up. I shouldn't have maybe been at this point be so surprised that Goodwin handles this so casually. And she's basically like, guys, you should have handled it better. You should have come talk to me and I would have helped you. But like, this is just a slap on the wrist. You're fine. Like, I shouldn't be so surprised that she handles it this way. But I am surprised that she handles this this way. Well, it shows that she she does understand the she understands what the supply shortage is doing to them and what it's making their jobs like. I, I don't know. I guess I just sometimes have a hard time weighing that, like, yes, I understand that, like, the intentions are good. But also, like, dude, you just did stuff illegally. 
I mean, you just did all this illegal shit and like broke all these laws and you buy, I mean, like you really should lose your license. And again, it's med. Like, I know they're not going to actually lose their licenses at this point, but it's just like, and again, maybe I should not be this upset and shocked about it, but it's just like, and I think also I had such a different idea of how this was all going to go down in my head that I'm having a really hard time, like letting that go. Interesting. I think sometimes we forget that Goodwin was a nurse. Um, no, yeah, I do. I mean, I don't know. I, I think sometimes we forget that. And so that I think she does, I think she knows where they're coming from. Right. And so it, it shows that, you know, she's not just saying like supply shortage just to be a pain in the ass. Like she's reminding them, Hey, you know, it's making your jobs really difficult. And I recognize that, but she understands why they did what they did, which I love actually. She understands it. Where in like in the past, it's been like, well, you had the easier route sitting right here. And instead you went and broke the law. This one, that was the only option. So I like that she gets it. Yeah, it's fair. I just, I don't know. Like I said, it shouldn't have shocked me that this was her response, but it kind of shocked me that this was her response. Is she also more understanding because her relationship with Will has changed? I mean, it's changed somewhat, but also I think it just continues to prove that like, it's gotten maybe slightly better, but it's definitely not the where we thought it was last season either. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not, you know, it's taken, it's gone back down a few notches, but yeah. yeah. But the dynamic of Vanessa and Will working together, I dig it. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see for sure. But I guess we're on the same page, though. We don't think anything romantic is going to happen, right? No. no. Okay, good. It's definitely just Vanessa becoming a Will 2.0. But also, like, keep the clown mask at the ready because you just never know anymore? Yeah, I know. I'm like... I know. I'm about to, like, send you a dolly mask for your birthday. I don't understand why we can't find, like, just kids clown masks. Every time I look on Amazon, they're all, like, terrifying. You know what, though? First of all, yeah, they are terrifying. And secondly, I'd rather have the Dali mask because then I can at least be like, look, for my La Casa de Papel fandom, like, yeah. this is my, like, you know, representation of that. So, which and we were totally, we were totally going to have clown masks in time for the wedding. Like, for me, you and Lauren, we didn't. Um, no, no, we gotta, we gotta fix that though. Cause I'm, I, I can't, I can't believe like the amount of times I need a clown mask, <laughs> not only, not just in one Chicago, but like in my regular life. Like, um, we all know Gina's a soccer fan, right? So my team is in the playoffs currently. And even before the first playoff game, I was like, I need a clown mask. Cause like I have hope and I know we're going to lose, but uh, we actually won, which was amazing. But that's beside the point. But like, just, I need it just to be like, yeah. something's about to make a fool of me. Yeah. Um. So we had another listener thought, uh, Heather B said, everyone was taking Will for her and Vanessa for a thing instead of just hiding something illegal is such a med thing <laughs> true um with Goodwin telling him to run it by her first the next time they decide to do something like buying illegal drugs I have to ask how does that conversation even go also I think his comment that he said Upton and not Haley my sister-in-law might be confirmation that he still has no clue that Haley and Jay are married and it makes me laugh oh man yeah it is really funny to think about though like the conversation the next time like how does will go to goodwin and be like yo i want to do some illegal shit <laughs> good was like okay cool you got my permission yeah have fun just don't get caught yeah oh my goodness i love it i love it um here's a bad segue for you you know what else i'm loving this ethan and april stuff 
did oh, not know season eight was gonna turn me back into a sex toy stan right like you want to talk about the clown mask i never thought in a million years that like however many years after she left we'd be sitting here like oh my god i love it you want to know what's funny she was just gone one year <laughs> feels like a lot longer yeah it feels like she's been gone for like 20 but yeah no i especially the way well granted maybe not exactly the way they left because they were like not you know they were kind of friends ish when she left but yeah after all those years of being like sex toys so toxic i can't handle this i just need them to break up they need to be apart here they are pulling me back in I, I just like ate all of this up. Same. Oh my God. Same. All of this up. And they did such a good job with this because it was just the perfect mix of old school Chexton and new school Chexton. Because like some Chexton of the like, old school. They're not Chexton. They're sex whatever. Toy. I mean, we only get them four more episodes. I'm just going to call them whatever. But the, the, the old school vibes were fantastic because like some of these moments I would be like you know back in like however many seasons ago I'd be like oh why are they doing this and this time I was like I actually kind of love it well and it's like one thing like too it kind of made me like because back when they started flirting and you know had their kiss or whatever at the end of season two which feels like forever ago at this point I'm just like it made me be like oh yeah like it reminded me why I liked the idea of them in the first place and like why I thought they potentially could work as a pair, like way back when. And now I was like, oh yeah, like this is why. And I, I still don't see the, I still don't see like, I still don't get it, right? Like when they first got together, we were like, why the two of them? And in my head, I'm still just kind of like, I still don't see it. But as long as it works for them, that's what matters. That's what I'm loving to see at this point. I'm like, I don't see it, but they see it in each other. And that is beautiful. And I love every minute of it. I will say, though, the one thing I try, I'm really trying not to get my hopes up because, again, clown masks, but I, it makes me really hopeful for the way they're going to send Ethan off. Like, this makes me really hopeful. Yeah. And I, that it's going to be, like, a good care, not even just because it'll be, like, you know, not a sad exit, but, like. And knowing that it was Brian's choice too, but like it seems like it's going to be like true to the character mm-hmm. and true to who Ethan is, and I just I don't know. It makes me really hopeful, but I'm also worried that I'm going to need my clown mask. Do they get married and run off into the sunset, or does he leave to go work with her? I don't know. Well, she works in Chicago, right? Still. Doesn't she? Yeah, I mean, yeah, she does. Uh, no, I mean I could see them potentially getting. I don't know. I don't want to say married either, but like. <laughs> oh my god what do we get to see the wedding in the mid-season we're not that lucky we're not that lucky that like they're gonna be happy tears in a mid-season instead of sad tears we're not that lucky no but i don't know it just makes me hopeful i'm trying not to get my hopes up but like it makes me really hopeful it makes me really happy somewhere like in the universe right now a med writer in la was just like did somebody say happy tears how (laughs) dare they like yeah that would never happen yeah i don't know but this was it did make me laugh though because you had all this like when ethan went on that vacation you were like in my mind he and april went on vacation and had like all the sex and now they're it seems like they haven't even spoken no kind of weird yeah okay so so ethan is headed to treatment four and maggie's like can you not go there can you go to like treatment six or seven and he's like no i'm going to four like why would i not go to four well he walks in and there's april um 
and, with a guy with a with guy. a guy yeah and so uh maggie's face is so funny because you know obviously april did not want ethan on this one and so he pulls back the curtain and she does this face of just like disgust followed by this i gotta go maggie knows exactly what energy awaits and she's just like i do not have the capacity for this shit like i do not have the capacity for old school ethan and april fighting and writing no oh my god it's so funny so funny so April brought the patient in from her group, like her, whatever group she's practicing in now. Um, and he's got some sort of like mystery infection. How quickly did you figure out that he was military? Because I did it in about 0.2 seconds. Oh, yeah. Obvious. Yeah. Obvious. Just just the haircut. Like the minute he pulled the curtain back, I was like, military. No, for me, it was like he called Ethan, sir, every yeah. time. It was like, sir. And I was like, military. Military. Obvious. Yep. Or for at sure. least former military. I mean, whether active duty, you know, but like he was, he's military at some point in his life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Ethan and the guy, they're trying to like make conversation. And he, this guy works on like these really high powered engines. And you can tell the conversation's getting there where they're about to bond over it. But April interrupts. She's like, nothing to see here. Like, we're good. Nothing to see yeah. here. But this conversation that they have after, just let's just play it. Hey, I'm really sorry for the sneak attack. <laughs> I just was worried that reuniting in a treatment room would be awkward, which it was. <laughs> yeah, a little, um, but uh, but no harm, no foul. Hope not. I know using Maggie to skirt the system and cherry pick a doc must be a headache for the ED chief. Yeah, but uh, good thing it's not me anymore. My choice. What you're not hearing here are the heart eyes. Yeah. The eyes, oh my God. It's just like, it's awkward and it's weird despite them. This is not the first time they've run into each other either. That's what I thought was so interesting is like, it's really awkward. And they make the comment about like, oh, I didn't want to have an awkward first run in in the, you know, whatever. But it's like, you literally ran into each other in what is, albeit a probably way more awkward, awkward spot at his dad's grave and... You guys handle that like champs. I don't know. It, but it's really cute, though, how, like, nervous they are. But also, there's no way that you bring somebody to Chicago Med and don't expect to run into Ethan. Did she just, man- like, did she expect to just stay hidden the whole time? I don't know. That's just It's silly. not like Ethan had the day off. You know that Ethan's there, like. Yeah. She wanted to run into him. Yeah, she just didn't want to hear his, what she thought was going to be his mouth about her patient. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, we also get we get the luxury this episode of seeing April reunite every with everybody like bit by bit, which again, I'm so glad they gave us these moments. Right. And they didn't need it to be anything crazy, right? Like right. we didn't need it to be like her and Will hanging out for, you know, half the episode. Like we didn't need that. We just needed her to see like Crockett and Will and just be like, Hey, how are you? It's been a long time. You know, like we just needed those like two seconds. Oh, I'm and really we got glad it. we got those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm really thankful that this episode was written in such a way that we got to see that and we got the little moment of like doris goofing on vanessa and will like the little moments that we got actually went a long way in this episode it's you know what's really funny though is something about april reuniting with crockett for the first time just made me laugh remember when crockett first came in season five and there was the whole april cheated on ethan situation with crockett and Mm -hmm. i was just like it just reminded me of that i was like oh man we've come so far yeah no same so far 
I, I loved the April and Crockett reunion because obviously she was like, oh my God, she's like, yeah, you're a big celebrity now. I heard about that, which that doesn't surprise me, but you're a transplant surgeon now too. Yeah. And he's like, just like you, I just wanted something more. And, you know, just that quick yeah. little, it's just very sweet and, and perfect. And her reunion with Will was the same way. Yeah. Um, poor guy. Will's like, I'm pulling double shifts, money troubles again. And she's oh. like, wait, wait, I thought you bought an apartment complex. And he's like, oh, honey, <laughs> if only you knew what happened. But I mean, even the little moment before they separate where he's just like, I'm really proud of you. Like, it's yeah. so sweet. And perfect. it's really cute. I'm glad we got those moments. I'm yeah. really, really glad we got them. They were sweet. And so, um, you know, we had the whole Devin thing with the, the defib through the window and everything. And so Devin beats the crap out of Archer. Well, Ethan tries to take him down after Archer. And we get the old school vibe of like, Ethan runs into him and April's like, Ethan, no, like, yeah. Ah! And so once it's all over, she's just like, oh my God, like, are you okay? Are you okay? It totally reminded me of the episode when there was like the car that went through the ED and she was like under the car with the victim Yes, and yes. Ethan like lost his shit. And I was like, dude, Severide's right there. He's not going to let anything happen to her. Especially April of all people. Yeah. yeah. So it really reminded me of that, which I was just like, oh, these old school vibes. Like, I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. So we go back to their patient. His name is Brock. He has like a crazy list of vaccines, some of which are only required for international travel. But Brock and April are being lying liar who's who lie. And they're just like, no, like he hasn't left the US. Everything's fine. He's cool. And Ethan's like, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Yeah, whatever. So Later on, Maggie convinces April to come out to a club, but, you know, we'll get there later. So there's an x-ray tech, apparently, who's a DJ, because I was wondering, I was just like, they go to clubs? No, it's because the x-ray tech is the DJ, and it was like, he was spitting that night. Got it. But more about that later. Okay, so Ethan and April are outside the room. They're theorizing about what could be wrong, and oh my God, the growth? Yes. You remember back in the day how Ethan made sure to, like, that April knew she was just a nurse and, like, never took any of her suggestions or anything? He just didn't even listen. He was like, la, 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 I can't oh, yeah. hear you. Okay, I'm going to go make out with you, but I can't hear you. La, 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 la. And now it's just like, let me sit down, grab my coffee, and listen to every word that you have to say. Oh, my goodness. And, and so she thinks it's Kawasaki disease, which only really affects kids. But he's like, well, wait a second. You just gave me an idea for something else. I'm going to run another test. Oh, my goodness. This is art. The growth. Art. Hang it in the Louvre. Yes. Like, it's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. Holy crap. So Ethan puts it together and he has multi-system inflammatory, wait, multi-system inflammatory syndrome. That is a mouthful. MIS. Yeah. MIS, yeah. It's a very rare form of long COVID. And so Brock just mentions, he's like, oh my God, like I got really sick and I just had to like up and leave work. I don't, I just, I had to just up and leave because it was just, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And so Ethan's like, well, now that it's over, you know, you can go back to Savannah. And he and April are like, we didn't say Savannah. We just said along the coast. Yeah. So Ethan and April go outside and they have this moment. Is Brock AWOL? The engine he works on, the Honeywell AGT 1500, it powers the M1 Abrams. That's an army tank. The army's third infantry uses that tank. They're based at Fort Stewart, Savannah, Georgia, near the coast. Third ID also has soldiers in Africa looking at Brock's vaccination history. If he had to deploy there, he could. I know Brock is army. But when he said, left in the middle of the night, did that mean he was on active duty and went AWOL? (laughs) 
why you didn't want me taking this case. You thought if I found out, I'd turn him in. Can you blame me? Ethan, when it comes to the military, you rarely look the other way. No. I guess I haven't. Assume you're gonna call the MPs? No, I'm not. Wasn't expecting that. Guess the world's not so black and white anymore. Still, skipping out on a commitment is a serious offense, so whether he goes back to his unit or gets out of the army altogether, he's gonna need some help. I am texting you a contact to a military attorney. We pass it on to Brock. Absolutely. The girl. It's really kind of incredible how far we've come in such a short amount of time. Especially when you even consider, too, that obviously April wasn't around last year at all. And Ethan was barely around last year. Just, like, how far we've come. It's just, I mean, it's really incredible. It really is amazing. I This is just, like, I love it. I love it. And just how, I, see, and okay, this was the other thing I was confused about. I thought April was there when Ethan started to realize that things aren't as black and white as they seem. I think it was, like, maybe on the cusp, but he really, I mean, last year, even though he was barely, you know, in last season, last year is really when it happened because obviously he was dealing with the injury mm-hmm. and then he dealt with the injury again and then everything that happened with his dad and you know archer i mean it was just i think last season really kind of drove it home for him so like did she only did she only like periodically check in on him or did they just not talk at all i don't i got the vibe from that first re, you know first meeting again at the grave that like they haven't talked but she went through the nurse practitioner program at med I don't think it was at med. They made it sound like it was. I think it was in Chicago. She remember she tried she got into the one at med, but I don't think she ended up going to the one at med. Oh man. But like this is art. Because if um, she had if she had gone to the one at med, she mm-hmm. would not have had this. I mean, she would have run into Crockett and Ethan and Will. She, they wouldn't have had that kind of reunion, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. But I will say I was dying when she was, you know, they made the comment about like, oh, you know, being the chief of the ED. And he was like, yeah, he's like, but I'm not the chief anymore. He was like, and that was my choice. And he like walks away. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, why was that conversation of all things so swoony? I was like, why was that so swoony? For sure. For sure. So this last scene. Oh, my God. This episode could not have ended better, in my opinion. Oh, my God. I just like I'm already fanning myself. I know. I want I want to just like stay in the bubble of this scene for like ever. Okay, so so April goes to the club and oh, my God, she looks amazing. Unreal. That pink top and like her hair. Oh, she looked gorgeous. Okay, so she walks into the club and she sees Ethan from the back, just kind of like dancing. And oh my God, they have these like sexiest little like dance moments. Okay, before we get into that, I have to know. Yeah. Maggie's the one who originally asked April to come to the club, right? Yeah. And said, hey, let's go out for a girls' night. Was this always the plan for ethan to be there and like was this a maggie and ethan to get april to the club like was that like a plan between them because Ethan didn't just happen to be there right so this was my question too was like was maggie there or did she just invite her to the club to like 
pair her with Put Ethan. them together. That's what I want to know. Did Maggie play matchmaker? Which, if so, like, I mean, I, right. I wouldn't. Or be was surprised. Ethan even in on it? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But yeah. was this a matchmaker situation, or was this a just a pure coincidence? I think it was a matchmaker situation. I think so too. Knowing Maggie, that's exactly what she did. Because she's the one that knew. April didn't want Ethan. She was the one who got April into the ED in the first April and Brock into the ED in the first place. She's the one that April was like, Hey, keep Ethan out of here. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want Ethan around this situation. Like, I mean, Maggie knew. And so I think Maggie, you know, I think it was all Maggie. Yeah. But oh either way, God bless you, Maggie, because this was... Ooh, this was perfect. Okay, so, like, just the the tap on the shoulder, and then, like, the dancey dance, the eyes at each other, the hands around the neck. Oh, oh my God. And I'm, like, like, screaming. Yeah. about it again. I'm, like, the last 30 seconds of this episode are me just, like, screaming at my TV, like, make out, make out! Like, But honestly, it's one of those moments that it doesn't need a make out. It's so sexy, even just without a makeout. It's just like, it doesn't need it. And they just look so happy to be back with each other. Yeah. It's really, it's really good. Even right on down to the song that's playing, which I mean, I outlined the episode and I watched with captions. So like that popped up, but the lyrics in the song even just like accurately reflect them. And so it's just basically like, when I'm gone, I'm never really gone, but like, no one's going to feel like me. Like even the song accurately reflects them. And it's just perfection uh yeah the amount of times i've watched this scene i just i can't i definitely pulled up ryan on this one and watched it like 400 times just because it was so it was so good it's so good it honestly i'd say it's up there in terms of like one chicago hottest moment like sexiest moments for sure burn it into my brain yeah I'm I'm happy to have that scene take the place of the freaking theater collapse. Like I'm so glad we got that scene. I never in a million years thought we would be happy to see Ethan in April again. No. I again, when did I think I was gonna become a sex toy stan? And here I am. And also like just the idea of like the idea of that like that they're it for each other and that like, you know, it just Oh, it's beautiful. That this is going to be the way that Ethan rides off into the sunset. It's, it's just, it makes my heart really happy. Same, same. Like, we're on the way to having, like, we're on the way to giving Ethan, like, the best one Chicago character exit ever. Yeah, pretty much. If it goes the way we think it's going to go, which, like, I mean, it did better. I mean, at this point, though, they'd have to do a lot to ruin it. And I don't think they're going, I know, I don't knock, I know. Remember but- what shows we watch. Clown mask. Just, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like I'm gonna shut up now, but like I know. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's so hot. It it's is so hot. So hot. It's so hot. I just want to like stay in that little bubble like forever. Oh, that that scene was so perfect. It's so. I I still am dying over the like when he like twirls twirl around and, and then the hands the, around like, the neck. <laughs> oh my god! And they're just so happy together. And like they just. Oh my god. It's, it's so hot. It's it's, it's so hot. hot. It's hot. It's really hot. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And the fact that they get that second chance is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, art. <sighs> I know. So <laughs> we got some listener thoughts on this one. Heather B said, I like that they brought Ethan back, having changed quite a bit, and that April got to see it. With so few episodes left with Brian, I like that they're showing a quick but believable progression of their relationship. April got to see the new Ethan last night, and since she showed up at the bronze, sorry, I mean completely random nightclub later to meet him, I'm guessing she liked what she saw. I'm guessing the bronze is like the actual club they used. 
Um, but seriously, was Buffy lurking in the shadows somewhere of that club ready to take out the vamp of the week? Even April's outfit was giving off major Buffy vibes. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I didn't either. I've never seen Buffy. So yeah, same, same. So um, she also said, I think it was April coming back to say hi to everyone, but it really felt like Med was more connected this week instead of small cases everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like they obviously can't spend forever on the Ethan and April relationship because we only have so many more episodes left with Brian. Mm -hmm. But I do agree. I think it's been like it's a quick but still very believable way they found their way back to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not sitting here being like, no, that doesn't sound like that's not how this would go. Like, it makes all the sense in the world. It really does. Yeah, for sure. Um, Laurel said, let's talk about Chexton because the writers have written this kind of scene or because the writers could have written the scene, you know, kind of scene from seasons three all the way through seasons eight. Why wait until these actors are exiting the show to give us great scenes? They are capable of writing a great fun storyline. I need a conversation between them to clear some things. I think we'll get it. Yeah, I do, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're saying they might end up married at this. So, like, I think they're going to have some kind of talk about, you know. I hope so. Things. But I also think, too, I mean, it wasn't like they broke up and then Yaya left the show. I mean, they were broken up for most of season six before she even left the show. Right. So, like, I think, you know, and even at that point, remember, at the end of season six, when Ethan was in that hostage situation and she was, like, freaking out, you know, kind of had started realizing how important you know he was to her Mm -hmm. and then they had that weird conversation by ethan's bedside after he had the surgery and we were like that's weird way to end things given the fact that yaya's leaving the show but okay so i think they've already kind of started leading up to having a conversation and realizing where they're at and clearing the air between them we just had skipped a season so it feels different now but i think we've already kind of started to see that you know foundation laid it's just like I said, we skipped a season. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. All right. Next up, we've got Crockett, or- our little famous doctor, our little celebrity, our little yeah. Or I was gonna say pot, in- as Lauren refers to him. I was gonna say he's not an influencer, but <laughs> not yet, at least. Oh, imagine that! Imagine that! Oh my god! I'm sure but- someone's gonna try to make him an influencer next episode i feel like he would instagram kind of the way beyonce does and just post pictures with no captions because he just wouldn't know what to do it would basically be like lucha's photo dumps and then beyonce's lack of captions like together that would be i almost feel instagram. like crockett would try to like everyone else is like let's just see you know a day in crockett's real life like we want to see all the personal you know the sexy like workout photos or whatever and crockett's gonna be like let me show you this uh inside of this transplant that i just you like keep it like strictly medicine like that's crockett or it's gonna be all like selfies where his face is like halfway out of frame (laughs) where like he's walking and like he's just like here's my morning coffee and the selfie's literally just like here up like yeah it's like the artsy picture of the top of your latte like the latte (laughs) art like that is definitely crockett so Crockett's you think Crockett's Instagram is literally like it's a white woman's Instagram like the Bo Burnham song it's either that or it is strictly all medicine like it's all medicine I think it's, it's all like medicine. this is look at this new fancy uh study that you know so-and-so doctor just came out with like other transplant surgeons what are your thoughts on this technique like you know like it's that is Crockett's Instagram and like poor Maggie's just like Crockett like you gotta add an emoji or something he's like okay no. and so he adds, he's like, like how do I smiley. he's like how do I add the emoji keyboard to my I like this one Crockett that's an angry face I like it yeah 
yeah. All right. So we follow up kind of where we left off last week. So Nathaniel, who was the train conductor from last week, he is still in the hospital. He's really having a lot of issues with breathing. Basically because the lithium ion from the battery from the train and the moisture made hydrofluoric acid and he inhaled a bunch of it. You realize how Goodwin was the one who like deduced that? She was like, oh, it's hydrofluoric acid. Did Severide just like come in and teach a class one day? Violet. 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 Violet with her chemistry knowledge, obviously. When um, Imagine when Severide is like old and gray and retires from Firehouse 51. Like he could go be never. a high school chemistry teacher. Never. No, never. Never. But... Never. Well, I mean, like, he's way immortal. into the future. You know, he is immortal. He's an Avenger. He's immortal, of course. He's immortal. Yeah. So basically, Nathaniel needs a lung transplant and Crockett wants to put him on ECMO and, you know, get ready for that. But supply shortage they can't they can't bingo <laughs> yeah no we need, really need to start a drinking game i know so basically somewhere along the way once he got the hospital nathaniel basically was like yeah you can share all my medical information with jack so jack is just like hanging out while crockett is going on about figuring out what to do this okay this irritates me in this episode how like and i get it why that, it, i know it's weird i never said it was rational but like Jack has this crazy access to the hospital in this episode, and it kind of drives me nuts. I'm like, you did not go to med school. Like, you are not a doctor. Why are you in this room with them? And it just, it's the whole idea that he has more access to the hospital solely because he has money. It, it irked me. Like, it bugged me. They invited him. No, I know, but it, it still bugged me. Like, it's not even like, honestly, I thought, because we even talked about it last week, I thought it was going to be all Jack being like, Crockett saved my life, here's all the money you want. Yeah. And it wasn't like that at all. They were like, Crockett and Goodwin are the ones that invited him, you know, whatever. Nathaniel obviously put him on his HIPAA form so, like, Jack could be there, you know. Like, I guess I can kind of see why you're saying that, but it just, I was surprised at how much it wasn't like that. I, I never said it made sense, but like it just there's that that moment where they're looking at the X-ray of his lungs, and like in comes Jack, and Arthur's like, "Yeah, it's totally fine that he's here." I'm like, that would literally never happen to anybody else, yeah. unless like you're stupidly rich and they just want to kiss your ass so you don't get mad. Well, and like you said, even in outline, like then he has a line about like how people spend weeks on a bed, and you're just like, he doesn't even go here. You don't go here. You're not a doctor. Yeah. So. Crock is like, okay, well, I think our only option is a transplant, so I'm going to put Nathaniel on, you know, the transplant list. So they do end up finding some lungs, but the problem is they're damaged, and they're, like, real damaged. So Meta, of course, does not have a machine that could fix them. I forget exactly what it's called, but does not have it. But they do have Jack, so they're just, like, Goodwin and Crockett basically, like, double-team him, and they're just like, so we were thinking you could make one, like what about like it's like almost like a little girl they're like what do you think about that and he's just like jack's like i mean i guess like so you mean to tell me this entire time i like the entire six years that charlie and i have been together he's an engineer i can just go up to him and be like hey babe engineer me this just like make me this i would die if you tried that this whole time i've been able to do that I'm like i just that's the that. tiktoks that's the tiktok trend i want you to make He's not that kind of engineer, but like, it's literally that simple. That makes me laugh really hard that they're just like, so we were thinking you could just like make one. Yeah. And he's just, I guess challenge accepted. Yeah. So basically, I mean, like he does, he builds them, you know, 
Ilzis, I forget exactly what it's called, but he does build it. And, you know, at one point they're like, the lungs have to sit in this machine for like, they're talking about like hours, like 10, 12, 14 hours, whatever. And Crockett has this moment with Nathaniel and Crockett's like, no, he's like, despite the fact that they've only been on the machine for like three or four hours, he's like, we got to do this now. So did, did, did you think of One Tree Hill when they brought the lungs in the first time or am I just a child? A little bit. <laughs> I thought about the- it more once I saw you're coming in the outline, but yeah. They basically like brought the cooler in and showed him the lungs. And I was like, oh, I'm glad Dan Scott and a dog were not in the waiting room this time. Um, the, the intrusive thoughts won that round. Don't judge me. But I got a little bit of a laugh out of that. Yeah. So, of course, it's Crockett, though. So everything about the transplant is a total success. And then we have this conversation at the end, and it's just basically Jack and Goodwin being like, Crockett, you know, you're going to be famous now, right? Like, you were already half famous, but now you're, like, real famous. And then again, uh, you know, Jack's like, so what kind of social media do you have? And Crockett's just like, uh, none. And he's like, that's okay. I'm also my PR team, like, get you set up. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. And the fact that, like, Jack even assumed, he's like, so what are you on? Like, Insta, TikTok? Like, you really think Crockett would <laughs> Crockett be Crockett is not on. TikTok? Crockett is not doing, beyond, like, a trend to Beyonce's cuff it, like, on TikTok. <laughs> that is not happening. No, that's Vanessa's TikTok. Vanessa's got the TikTok. Uh, who else? Oh, yeah. the, like, I, Vanessa's the Hannah, only one with a TikTok, I think. Hannah has a TikTok. You think so? Well, maybe not because of her, like, I don't know. Vanessa, I, think, I think Kai has a TikTok, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the interns do, for sure. And then, like, well, like once my, like, Vanessa and Kai totally, like, bond and they're friends and everything, and they do some killer dance challenges. That's what I think. Doris also has a TikTok. Yes. Doris a thousand percent has a TikTok. And hers is just, is it a vlog or is it just like, what does she do on her TikTok? It's not a vlog. Is she it's her doing like taking sly videos of everyone in the ED with filters on it. Like that is Doris's TikTok. Yeah. yeah. That's a question for Lorena. If and when we get her on the pod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Doris is totally on TikTok. Um, but she does like you know doris does other stuff too like doris is like a secret cosplayer or something she's got some sort of side gig that is just like amazing and she slays at it for sure yeah i could see that yeah she's she's a really badass tiktoker and nobody knows about it i like it but those are the only ones on tiktok trying to think of who else i mean i feel like we've had this conversation before like who in the ed is on socials but like it's still so well no but there's levels to socials, right? Because I think they're all on some version of Insta. Well, Crockett made me aside and Archer. I think they're all on some level of Instagram. Yeah. But like TikTok is a different beast. So I think Will is only on Instagram and like he had an account, but then he let it go by the wayside. So he probably hasn't posted on it in like two years. Yeah. Maggie's on Insta. Goodwin's on Insta. I think Ethan's even on Insta, but like barely. He has an account just so he can like see what his friends are up to, but he doesn't post. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely hasn't posted in like four years. And Archer's like, what's the social media? Like if you looked at Ethan's Insta, it would definitely probably still think that like he and April are together. Yeah. It's like frozen in time. Yeah. 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 I think Dr. Charles only has a Facebook and he only got it to keep tabs on his. Anna. On Anna. Like Anna and Robin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the only social media he has. And he said, like, he had somebody, like, set it up years ago. For sure. Yeah. It's a fun little, it's fun. Hannah, I could see with Twitter. 
Yeah, I could see Hannah on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Is she the only one on Twitter, though? I think so. <laughs> um, Chicago med characters most likely to have a podcast. Uh, Doris, for sure. Doris. Mm-hmm. Doris, Doris, and more Doris. All Doris, yeah. <laughs> all Doris, all the time. Or Nurse Trini. I, I see the two of them. They probably have a podcast together, actually. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. That's hilarious. I love. I love. So last up, we've got Archer and Hannah. This was tiny. Um, just a quick little thing. But um, remember, Archer got his ass kicked by Devin, the drug dealer. So he's pretty beat up. Dr. Hudgens is there, but Archer won't let Hudgens help him, which like, bro. It's like, this is still a teaching hospital. Like, Archer, you're doing it again. Your Archer is showing. Can you not, please? I know. It's like every time I think I stand him, he does something. And I'm like, yeah, do I still stand him? And then I'm like, yeah, I do still stand Archer. But like, still. Yeah. Yeah. So poor Archer, his jaw's dislocated. He's got broken ribs, but his jaw is like the worst part. And he, again, will not let Hudgens help. He's just like, you're a first year resident. You are not reducing my jaw. Like you're not doing this. So he's just like, go get Hannah. Cause Hannah pops in at a certain point and is like, I go and deliver a baby and I miss all the action and the dynamic between them in just a week's time. It is completely different. It's really interesting now. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I feel like, I feel like in stopping the drug test, Archer finally showed her, Hey, I do respect you yeah and so the dynamic's completely different so he's like oh fine go get hannah and so this moment where hannah's about to reduce the jaw she's like so just so you know i haven't done this in 10 years and i just watched a youtube video so we're just gonna roll with it yeah like (laughs) very very funny um so she pops it back into place and he's like screaming in pain and she just goes you're welcome and leaves queen we stand a queen we stand a queen queen hannah asher queen shit love her um so later on he's still in like a ton of pain um and he's just like give me give me my chart what's going on she underdosed him and um they have a little spat you know as you see on the episode um and he's just like yelling at her he's like i'm this tall and i weigh this much like this is the appropriate dose you underdosed me like fix it and she's just like i'm really sorry i'll I'll go fix it right now that's fine but later on he um he apologizes he apologizes to her and she's like dude i was projecting like i you know i know the dark side of painkillers and so i tend to err on the side of caution i'm sorry i did that but like it's a hell of a way to start a friendship is like both of you projecting your issues onto each other i really like this friendship not Same. gonna lie Same. it's weird but i really like it yeah yeah i'm I glad really that it's, it. i'm glad that it's becoming like a good healthy professional relationship yeah yeah so um, we got a listener thought from Shannon M here and Shannon goes, maybe I'm crazy and this is insane, but hear me out. Always the best way to start a message, right? <laughs> um, I got such weird vibes from that last Archer and Hannah scene where she offered to help him out to his car. And so she goes, maybe I'm reading into things, but could they be a potential ship? I don't, I don't see it. I will say though, I don't see it, but Shannon, you are not crazy because I saw it a lot on Twitter. I saw a lot of people wondering the kind of the same thing. So you are not alone. I mean, it crossed my mind, but anytime you grab like a male and female character and put them in the same room, I mean, that's just At this point though, I like have just, I'm trying not to get attached to anything. So like, I'm not trying to get my hopes up, but like, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. We've just been burned so many times in the past, like four weeks. Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah. So, but uh, Shannon goes on. She said, I don't know. They've been interacting so much lately. And this crossed my mind when I watched that scene. And now I cannot stop thinking about it. Never considered it before, but now I'm so intrigued by the idea, the idea of it. Do you think they have chemistry? I mean, if you make me really focus on it. It's hard because it's like one scene, right? Mm -hmm. But I think, I will say this, Shannon. I think if they played their cards right, I could see why people think that would be an interesting potential ship. I think, but I think right now as it stands, I'm not there yet. But I think if the writers really wanted to go there and, and play their cards right, I could see why someone would think that's interesting. I can see it as well. I also think that Steven Weber is so charismatic and so freaking good at what he does. That well, he now that I'm an Archer stan, I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, Go for it. I'm just like, if they wanted to go there, I'll take it. I'm now a Hannah Art Asher and Archer stan, so I I would be here for my faves. Um, we're, we're so, we are so emotionally damaged by this franchise right now that we're just like, as long as nobody leaves, fuck it. Like, as long as people stay, I don't care what they do. <laughs> take my new two favorite men people like put them together i'll love it i'm sure care. i'll love it it's fine you could do something ridiculous with them and like put them on a plane have snakes on the plane whatever ridiculous shit you want to do as long as they're on the show who cares anymore yeah i don't really care <laughs> i i don't care yeah <laughs> that, that's how low the bar is right now uh -huh. I love that. that's funny um <laughs> Yeah, so Shannon said, I can't really tell, but I saw a couple people on Twitter wondering the same thing. I actually did not see that, but I thought, um, you know, Shannon just goes on to say, not sure how it happened, but Archer and Hannah have become two of my favorite characters. I see how our, I see how Hannah has become a favorite character. The, the Archer arc, we're all just like, wow, the progress we've made. I know. That just describes me. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm now a Hannah and Archer stan. Who am I? Like, yeah. who am I? What is my identity? I did not see that coming. <laughs> I will say that we we did get a it was either a tweet or an email where somebody suggested they were like, I think their name has to be the A team. And I was like, oh my God, that's the most perfect thing I've ever heard. I need the merch. Done. Need it. The need A team. It. Need it's, it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh yeah. So Shannon just said from the promo picks, it looks like they're working together again next week. Can't wait. I'll take all the Archer and Hannah content. Archer will Hannah love triangle anyone? oh will just continues wow like the worst luck in the world wow i'm just like wow what a storyline that would be that's kind of a be careful what you wish for type thing don't know if i'd hate it though like this is like archer's revenge how like he tried to kind of insert himself on crockett and blake and now he like wins it with will and hannah no we're just wow we're throwing, we're throwing <laughs> weird shit out there now it's me to molly's after dark oh <laughs> man what a what a way to end the med segment and before all the haters come for us because i know you're out there that was an idea it was a hypothetical we're not saying one way or the other that you know hey we want it to happen or not. We're just running with a hypothetical and having We're just with running with the fact that we want our two new faves to be happy. That's yes, all we're going to say. That's all we're doing. That's and if it happens to be with each other, then we're not going to hate it. That really is a hell of a way to end the med segment. <laughs> it really is. Will Archer Hannah love triangle. And Will's just like, can I, can I catch a break? Like, no. No? No. So funny so funny oh people i mean that's the perfect i'm not even gonna ask if there's any other notes on that that's really you can't wrap it up any better than that no no we're gonna no. yeah no. shannon great email yes a plus a plus plus moving into fire 
moving into fire this was just this is just the annual halloween episode what more could you want from this episode well it's been a few years since we've had a halloween episode but yeah i really i really like this episode it was, yeah, this was just a very, this was a quintessential fire episode. I know a lot of people said it was a filler episode and like, yes, I can kind of see that in some regards, but I, I don't know. Like, I think, I don't know, I've been, ha- I've been thinking a lot about this because I, there was a screener for this one. So I've been sitting on this one for a couple days mm-hmm. and I just, I've been thinking a lot about this. Like, yes, it is a filler episode. Like, yes, in the grand scheme of things, not a lot happened, but I think. As much as obviously we hate the way that the whole, we hate that the Violet stuff happened and like what happened to Violet and ultimately to Jimmy and Hawkins and whatever. Like we hate that it happened, but I've really appreciated Violet's, like what we've seen Violet go through in these last couple of episodes, like her journey with grief. I just, I really appreciated it. And I know I've really related to it, you know, it reminds me a lot of the way I was, and I know everyone's journey with grief is different um especially depending on who you lose and how you lose them but like it reminds me a lot of like the feelings that I went through when I lost my mom a couple years ago mm-hmm. and it just like there are some days that are really shitty especially in the beginning and that's kind of what we saw last week and there are some days where like you're still feeling really shitty but at the same time you just want to feel a sense of normalcy and like or as normal as it can get and i really i really have appreciated the writers and the way they have handled this because i think while it's not everyone's journey and not everyone's going to relate to it it is a very real journey for a lot of people Mm -hmm. um and especially when it comes to grief and i just i've really i've really appreciated the way they've handled this yeah i think they're doing a good job and the fact that they haven't just like thrown it away in in the matter of an episode i'm really happy about that too that they're still kind of showing some lingering well and they're showing all the different sides to it because like i said there's not like you're not a sad all the i mean you're sad but like you're not in a depressed mode all the time some people are but like a lot of people aren't Mm -hmm. and like at some point you are gonna have that moment where just because you don't want to forget the person that you do have to move on is such a weird word to use but like move on like I remember when I was you know going through it like I remember having a similar because it was during COVID or whatever and even with the podcast and you were like are you sure you want to come back you like I got it and it was like no like I want something as normal I mean it was COVID too so it was also just a weird time but I was like Mm -hmm. I want as normal as I can get and like to me that was like doing the podcast and you were like okay if you're sure and I was like yeah like I am like I'm ready (laughs) I'm ready to come back um and yeah I just I think they're doing a really good job and I'm really glad they haven't thrown it away. And I guess they're going to continue to show up because we haven't even seen Violet's family yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. So good stuff, but yeah. yeah, we start off with our our favorite millennials. Brenna, take it away, please. All right. So we've got the millennials, like Gina said. So Gallo and Ritter are in the locker room. They're talking about Gallo's struggles with Tracy and how he's like, yeah, she's a great girl, but like Herman, he's like, I can't, we can't come clean. He's like, this is not how this is going to go. <laughs> and like, they're just, they're talking about it. And Violet walks in and they're like tiptoeing around her. Like as soon as she walks in, they just like, shut up. And, you know, she handles it. She's like, okay, whatever at this point. And she just like, she's suspicious of it though. She's like, they're clearly hiding something. I just don't know what it is. So Carver mentions that Herman is looking for Gallo and Gallo starts like freaking out. And I was dying. Ritter makes a comment. He's like, you're a dead man. And it's just like (laughs) dying. And so Gallo tries to run away and instead runs smack dab into Herman and Herman's like, oh, I heard you 
used to bartend, you know, when you were, you know, a few years ago. And her and gal was like, yeah. He's like, I need you to fill in for me at Molly's with Tracy. This is two of you. And gal was like, I don't know if that's a good. And he reluctantly says yes. But like, he is like, not sure about any of this. But Gala was so afraid of Herman, and it is so funny. It's really funny. It's really funny. But Ritter's comment, he was like, you're a dead man. I was just dying, <laughs> dying. So Violent asked him, like, why he was freaking out. And Gala's just like, eh, whatever, you know. And she's just like, you have way too much to, like, going on to be worrying about me. Like, that's where he leaves it. And Violet's, like, kind of annoyed about it, but she just doesn't say anything at this point. So later on... Violet is stalking the Ambo or whatever, and she can see Gallo and Ritter in the mirror. And Gallo's giving Ritter a hard time about, like, the air tank delivery guy, DJ. And, like, Ritter tries to ask DJ out, but, like, can't seem to work up the courage just yet. And so Violet's finally, like, enough, like, and drags them back into the bunk room and, you know, makes them tell her about their lives. And we have this conversation. Okay. Here's the deal. I really, really need my friends right now. Of course. Yeah, we're here for you. Whatever you need. What I need is for you guys to stop treating me like old widow Mikami. You don't have to tiptoe around me about your love lives. Nothing you're going to tell me is going to make me feel any worse. But maybe, just maybe, if you guys act a little more normal, it might make me feel just a tiny bit more normal. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I feel terrible. You don't have to feel terrible. You just have to spill. When she says, I need my friends, and Ritter and Gallo just shape right up. They're like, of course, of course. What do you need? What do you need? And she's just like, oh, my God, these two. I love it, though. <laughs> I love it. And I like I said, I love her line where she's like, you know, if you maybe if you acted a little more normal, like, it just might make me feel a tiny bit more, more normal. Because, like, again, you're never going to feel 100% basically anymore after you lose someone. But, like, as much normalcy as possible is good. Yeah. Yeah. I also just loved how like Violet ends up encouraging Ritter to ask DJ out and like and she's like and Gallo you can play it cool and Gallo's like yeah I could not fuck this up one time and Gallo it's like no you can't narrator voice he cannot in fact play it cool well she's just like dating in your 20s is supposed to be like messy and it's like yeah yeah this is when you make your mistakes is in your 20s mm-hmm. so later on on Ritter stops by DJ's firehouse with some like lame excuse about like dropping off the air filter or whatever and asks him to hang out and DJ says yes and then we cut to Gallo and Tracy in a like completely empty Molly's because it's like Halloween weekend or whatever and Gallo's like what are we supposed to do all night and Tracy's like I can come up with a few ideas and we cut to them having sex on the bar so they have now been added to the list there were a couple tweets going around last night and people were like, so how many couples have had sex on the bar now? And so I guess we just have to like update that list. So definitively two, definitively two, but hypothetically it could be as many as like five or six. Because yeah. We have confirmed Stellaride and confirmed Tracy Gallo. We think Dossie has definitely had sex on the bar. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Dawson um, definitely had sex on the bar. We actually unconfirmed, but definitely. Uncon- but I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't no. not. They definitely it. had sex on the they bar. They definitely yeah. had sex on the bar. Uh, yeah, we think Dossie did. You said Cindy and Herman. What? You can't see it. I don't know. Cindy or Herman or Mouch and Trudy. I mean, one of the two definitely has <laughs> Mouch and Trudy. <laughs> 
Oh my god. And like it was totally Trudy's idea. Oh well duh. Oh my god. Duh. That is hysterical. Duh. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Actually, Trudy having sex on the bar at Molly's. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't wait for like confirmation of that because you know it's gonna come in like some sort of scene where Trudy throws away a line and it's just like what? Like we who did hasn't that. Had been there, on- done that. Yeah. yeah. Who hasn't had sex on the bar at Molly's? yeah oh that is funny bretzy no i'm trying to i feel like it has to be like an owner because why else would like bretzy have been there you know after i mean that's true it basically almost has to be like stella a stella ship that's why i said herman or i mean like or gabby ship otis did otis ever have sex on the bar like otis and lily did they ever have sex on the bar maybe molly's north yeah <laughs> at molly's north but not molly's, molly's north for sure yeah 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 oh that's so it's so gotta funny. be someone who would have been there like after hours or at weird times yeah yeah so it's basically yeah otis quite literally took that secret with him to the grave that is funny slash sad yeah no i think like I said for sure but also like that would hurt like you're back. Listen, listen. Stellar, it was the first Stellarite sexy team scene we got. So we will forever be grateful to Molly's for providing that. We will. We will. And if we get any further into this conversation, we're going to end up in more meet us at Molly's after dark situations. Um, yeah, that's for the patrons and like the <laughs> bonus episodes. That's not. If you guys only knew the conversation we had over commercials last week, me, Bryna, and Lauren, it will never see the light of day, but it was glorious. <laughs> Let's just say it fits into this. It fits into this topic. Oh, it in was this glorious. Topic. <laughs> and it, I, it, there are some things that I wish we could tell you, but that one we cannot. Oh, it was uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Redacted. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So go on. So, yeah. So next shift, Herman is complaining because they Molly's now has security cameras and the app isn't working, so he can't see the footage. So Gallo starts freaking out. <laughs> he runs into Ritter because Ritter is avoiding DJ like the plague because apparently their date did not go so well. It is all just a shit DJ show. DJ straight. DJ straight. He brought his girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. It. Yeah. Which I was. I, I was a little bummed about only because, like, if the date hadn't gone well, that would have been fine. But, like, we barely ever get to see anything about Ritter's dating life and obviously Ritter being, like, the only LGBTQ character at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the very few. Like, I wish we see more of that. And so the fact that we got, like, a kind of fake out almost is like, oh, yeah, Ritter's going to go on this date. Just kidding. The guy's straight. Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny, but I'm just like, I want more of actual Ritter's dating. Like, if it had been, like, with another guy who was gay and it just didn't work out, okay, fine. But, like, mm-hmm. the fact that he ended up being straight, I was like, okay, this is not what we wanted. Mm-hmm. But it was funny, though. But it was just like, eh. Poor guy. Yeah. Um, And, of course, Gallo is, like, freaking out because he thinks Herman's about to watch him have sex with his niece, which is, like, really <laughs> funny to think about. It's really funny. But also, how did it take 11 seasons for Herman to finally install cameras at the bar? Because it wasn't his idea. You know that, like, something happened or someone was like, no, you've got to get this, like, app. 
Like, it's a thing. And for, he's like, fine, if you set it up for me, like, fine. <laughs> so basically, we have this funeral home call, and, like, Gallo helps out Carver, and, you know, whatever. So when they get back, Carver's, you know, thanks Gallo, and he's like, you know, thank you, you saved my ass. And Gallo's like, oh, you would have done the same. And he's like, yeah, well, I still owe you one. And so Gallo gets this idea to ask Carver to, because at one point, when Herman's going through the security footage or trying to, like, Carver's like, well, let me see if I can help you. So when Gallo asks him to, like, you know, be like, hey, you want to help me repay your favor now? We cut to Carver telling Herman that, like, the security footage for Molly's that night is just gone. Like, it's just, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and Herman. so... I spent $900 on that stuff! <laughs> it's really funny. So then, you know, like we said, we cut to Carver, and then this is where Ritter comes clean about how his terrible his date, you know, with DJ was. And Ritter and Gallo like then apologize to Violet for you know like her terrible advice, and they're like kind of a little annoyed with her, but she's just happy that it feels so normal that like she doesn't even care. So cute, it's really cute. I love it. But yeah, that was things with the millennials. It's nice to have them back to their usual antics. Yeah. I'm, oh, sh- I'm still just dying over the fact that Gal thought Herman was about to watch him have sex. That's, that's just really funny to me. I don't know why that's such a funny image to me, but like... But like, did they at least lock the door? I freaking hope so. No, of course they didn't. What? What? Did Stellaride lock the door when they had sex in the bar? Molly's was closed at that point, so I'm gonna go with yes. But Stellaride walked in the door. He wasn't there. He walked in the door while Stella was there. He did not go back and lock the door. Okay, okay. Citizens of, like, Firehouse 51, we have got to stop keeping the door unlocked when we have sex on the bar at Molly's, okay? We've got to stop that. Because if we get caught, that leads to bad Yelp reviews, which leads to Molly's in trouble, which leads to unhappy Herman, which is just not good for anybody. Well, now Herman's basically, nobody's going to have sex at the bar because Herman's just then going to end up with a bunch of sex tapes. It's not going to happen anymore. (laughs) And you know Herman's going to accidentally hit something on an app that then, like, sends the video of someone's sex tape to, you know, someone else, and it's going to get out, and it's just going to be a disaster. So, no. There is, unfortunately, no more sex on the bar, Molly's. Somebody please write that fic. Please. Okay, but whose who's sex tape gets out there first? Gallows. Yeah. Gallows. Yeah. But Herman doesn't post it because it's his niece. Not, he wouldn't he wouldn't post it intentionally he would just not know what buttons to hit Stellarize. but Stellarize. i just imagine the conversation where he's like look you two like <laughs> what you do in your own time is your business i have not something to tell you yeah. it's like i accidentally released your sex tape wait what <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness oh, oh wow that wow <laughs> just that escalated very quickly like oh but I the mean, millennials listen. are back all the way to like oh herman's watching sex tapes <laughs> <laughs> and oh, i have found our teaser clip for instagram yes <laughs> oh my goodness all right take us through some listener thoughts all right so heather b said violet has a beautiful way with words and her yelling about not being old widow mccommy is one of those things where i still hate that why we have it but i love that we got it yeah, I agree I hate that we have to have Widow Mikami, but I do, I have enjoyed the storyline. Mm-hmm. Also, focusing on the walking disasters that are Gallo and Ritter navigating their love lives is definitely something I want to see more of. Yes. Yes, please. 
as long as Gallo's love life is not with Violet and we get more of actual Ritter with a love life that's not him being faked out because GJ's gay or GJ's straight. That. What Bryna just said. What Bryna just said. Have your love life drama like Gallo, but you stay clear of Violet. You leave her alone. Especially right now while she's grieving. Leave her alone. Yes. And Ritter, more of Ritter's actual love life and not like a fake out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mandy said, I really enjoyed having these three back. They're honestly a great trio and their silly and comedic storylines were sorely missed. I hope they continue having them as a trio as I honestly think that they lift the show as a whole and make it more enjoyable and not so down in the drama of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, also said, I'm glad they are letting Violet have fun and not be consumed by their grief. Although we know she's still processing and dealing with Hawkins' death at the same time. I think they found a good balance. I honestly think this has been the best episode of the season so far for me, at least. Okay, I, mean, I still I'll, really like yeah. the premiere, but this one is definitely probably this my was, favorite. Yeah, this was a great one. This was a great one. So next up, we've got the Halloween crew. This was the B story, and it was amazing. So funny. So funny. So funny. Okay, so Bowden loves Halloween, which, like, I feel like we've known that before, but I don't think we've ever known that he loves it to this extent. It's really funny. It is funny. It's very funny. So um they get the okay to put together a halloween open house next shift to basically keep teens out of trouble and brett's in charge and like bless of her course heart. She is. bless her heart the way that they're in the briefing room and she's like and rule number one and as her back is turned cruz is like go go everyone leaves yeah <laughs> no clowns oh brett thing so everyone leaves the meeting and Cruz and Malich and Tony and Cap are like the last one standing so she's like you're on the Halloween committee like I don't give a shit you're on the, the committee with me like you're doing this and so Brett comes up with some ideas they're not spectacular she's like we could bob for apples and Tony's like that is so bad Tony's face in this whole scene is like amazing <laughs> it's so good and Cruz is like teenagers torch cars for halloween on halloween for fun like i don't think they're gonna bob for apples and so the idea comes up to do a haunted house instead and again bless your heart sylvie she's just kind of like no please not that like not a haunted house anything but that yeah so they have this call where like this guy actually stuck his head in a guillotine like who what why I, I have so many questions. Why was it an actual guillotine? Why wasn't it just like a fake a thing? Fake like, one? Yeah. I don't know. So many and, and if you knew it was real, why did you stick your head under it? It's a great question. All great questions, Gina. That's that's one of those questions. It's one of those calls where you're like, I have a question. How did that happen? It's definitely one of those calls where you're like, Derek and Andrea definitely read about someone accidentally getting into an accident with a guillotine at like Halloween. And they were like, that, that. Do you think that they just like sit in the writer's room and like keep a separate list of like ridiculous calls that they come up with and save them for the Halloween episode? Yes. Or even just in general, they uh, they, they have a binder, I'm sure, of just like printouts of all these ridiculous calls and you know or cases or whatever and they're like when they need inspiration they're just like let's flip through the binder oh that one sounds good okay great like i'm just imagining they have some moments in the writer's room that are completely wheels off and they come up with like just delirious shit throughout the whole season and they're just like that's funny but it's kind of ridiculous let's stash that for the halloween episode yeah i wonder if that's like what they do but uh yeah just, just if you know it's a real one why why stick your head in it 
I so just, many questions. So many questions. And he's so lucky that it like didn't actually slice his head off, which like Oh I god, I don't go, even want to think about that image. Well, no, but he's lucky that it didn't go in any further than it actually did. Yeah, that he like walked away pretty much almost unscathed yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So the wife is like, we're getting rid of this. And Mouch is like, really? We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So they take the guillotine back to be like the centerpiece of the haunted house, but everything else has been picked over. So things aren't really looking good. A neighbor stops by and she's just like, oh my God, this is going to be such a big hit. Like I'll spread the word. And so they're just like, well, crap. Now we have to make it even better. And so Bowden goes out on the app floor to see the progress. And this is hysterical because he rips them to shreds. It is a hot mess. He's like, I don't know what you're supposed to be for Halloween. This isn't scary. And he looks at Brett and he's like, you're the least scary, which I've ever seen. He's like, I'm taking this over. Yeah. And like, Cruz is a video game murderer or something like that. And Tony's like a pineapple. I mean, it is like the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. And they're they're, like, Tony even says what he is, but I missed it. I can't remember what he was because we were looking at the promo photos. We were like, what the hell is Tony? Well, he's like a half pineapple whatever he like starts to say it and then Bowden cuts him off it's really funny it's really funny and of course Sylvie dressed as a witch would be like in pink and purple and stuff like that like the oh yeah yeah Yeah. so no like scary makeup or anything like yeah (laughs) so the next shift Bowden comes to the rescue and he's like look when I was a candidate we actually did Halloween right I have all these old decorations here we go and it's like terrifying like the really scary clown mask, like severed heads, all that kind of stuff. And so they get a truly terrifying haunted house set up. Like Bowden walks through it and he's like, I'm not going to be able to sleep for a week. Like, this is great. Yeah. And the neighbor from earlier stops by with her kindergarten class. With her kindergarten class. Hysterical. Oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. Uh, so once they realize that they're kindergartners he's like okay cap like go take out the bloody like dismembered body parts or whatever Cruz, go take out the scary clown mask do this and he's like brett go stall them so brett goes to stall and she's all happy and the kids turn around like all synchronized and every single one of them is dressed as a clown mm-hmm. oh my god it's so funny it's, it's so her funny. worst nightmare come to life her little noise like oh ah! and then how they basically like chase her around the corner and she runs hilarious yeah so so funny and those kids were so cute oh that was hilarious that was just a great halloween it was probably the best comedy storyline this season yeah yeah it was that was funny that was really funny i know so good so if they have a costume contest at molly's do you think like do you think stella and severide go in costume Stella wants to go in costume and Severide's like, uh, no. I think Severide goes just because Stella wanted to. And so, like, he dresses up and he's just like, I'm here against my will. Maybe this year because it's their first married one. Mm-hmm. But, like, definitely not next year. <laughs> oh, I love you, it so much. You and Charlie aren't going in as anything this year because you're going to be gone, right? No, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be gone. We usually do a couple's costume every year. But yeah, I, I, can, I can tell you that Charlie and Pepper will be a banana split. Pepper has a banana costume and then um, I'm going to make Charlie a shirt that's basically got a, a split in bowling. That's hysterical. So they're going to be a banana split. And poor Pepper is just like every year, you fucking humans, you do this to me every single year. Um, yeah. The first year that we had him, he was Batman. Last year, he was a packet of hot sauce. Yes. And this year he's a banana. That's hysterical. Yep. 
but no, I will, I will not be here. Um, I will be in England. So, uh, no Halloween for me, but it's okay. Yep. Next up, we've got Stellaride. How do you feel about this one? You know, I liked parts of it, and there's parts I wish it would have gone further on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was nice to see, you know, obviously, of course, we love seeing, like, I, I'll take any chance to see, like, Stella and Stellaride, like, help someone out and, like, Stella be a leader, and, you know, I'll, I'll take any chance for that. But I feel like they kind of glossed over the backstory that seemed like they were trying to give us for Stella for more of Severide's backstory. And Mm -hmm. it was just like that part of it felt weird. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I thought we were about to get some really good Stella backstory and we didn't. We got more Severide back, which I I feel terrible complaining about because I'm like, of course, like give me all the Severide backstory. Like I love it, but I didn't feel like it was anything new either. So I'm just like. I would have rather we've had the Stella backstory. It was a tidbit about Severide that didn't surprise me, but also well, did yeah, at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and we all, we knew that then he left Benny's to go live. We already knew about the April stuff. Like, that wasn't a surprise, you know. Like, we always knew Benny was a shitty parent, but we didn't realize he was that shitty. Yeah, and it makes more sense when last week Severide said, you know, the two hardest things he went through are losing Shay and losing Anna. It's like, oh, and we were like, Benny. where's Benny? And we're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Take it away. So basically everyone gets called to this house and it's supposed to be on fire and there's no fire. <laughs> like none. Nothing anywhere. But they do hear two people arguing inside. So Stella and Carver go check it out. And they are like fighting. They're almost at the point where like fists are being thrown. So Stella takes the young girl Jenny like outside away from her mom while Carver stays inside with the mom. And Jenny is clearly, like, hesitant to trust anyone, but she does ultimately agree to go back to the firehouse until her dad can, you know, supposedly come pick her up from out of town. So, Stella leaves to go on another call, and Severide finds Jenny in the hallway, and she's, like, looking at that wall of following heroes. And she's like, you know, did all these people die in the fires? And she's like, and Steph's like, yeah, you know, some of them did. And she's like, damn, I heard that's the worst way to go. And Severide's like, you know, you know, these people mean a lot to us. Like, each one of them was family. And then she's like, you know, I don't know why I said that. Like, that was so stupid, you know. She says death sucks no matter how you go. And I just like, especially after, after like, 11.03, I'm just like, that line kind of hits differently. It really does, though. But, Yeah. But she says it in a way that obviously, and Severide gets this from her, that, like, she's clearly lost someone because she doesn't just say that. Right. So Stella comes back, and the dad still hasn't shown up. And Severide's like, listen, like, do you know what's up with her backpack? And, you know, she never takes it off. And Stella's like, I don't know anything, but I'll try to see what I can find out. So the dad still hasn't shown up. And it's been, like, hours at this point. Like, six, seven, eight hours, whatever. So Stella's you know, wondering what to do next. And so Severide, you know, mentions this conversation with Jenny again about death and, you know, that he had in the hallway. And, you know, he's like, I'm curious whether she's actually lost someone. So Stella is like, I'll go talk to her, but finds her asleep in Stella's quarters. And like Jenny's backpack is open. So she decides that she's going to go through it. And Jenny wakes up and she starts like, freaking out that Stella has like touched her backpack and is like been going through it and she's like you know admits that her dad died four months ago and you know Stella in tries to encourage her to stay at 51 and that you know whatever she needs she'll help her through 
But like Jenny runs out of 51 so fast. Like, and then all of a sudden Stella runs out pretty much almost like right after her, but like she loses track of where she went. So Jenny's just kind of like out in the wind. So Stella is like having really a lot of regrets about Jenny leaving. And she's like, you know what? The first thing I can do is I'm going to go visit her mom. And but her mom has gotten an update on Jenny. Her mom knows that Jenny's in DCFS custody and, you know, that like she's actually okay. She's not missing. And the mom, you know, ultimately comes clean to Stella about like what really went down when Jenny's dad died. And he was unfortunately an addict and it was just lots of relapses. They tried and her mom just, you know, couldn't handle it anymore. And so now she feels that like Jenny blames her and, you know, you know, Stella's like, well, listen, like, usually when we get called out to domestic situations, like, there's a lot of evidence of abuse or anything like that. And, you know, but she's like, it doesn't seem like it's gotten violent ever. And, you know, her mom's like, no, 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 it didn't, you know, but like, until yesterday. And, you know, her mom also tried to look in the backpack. And that's when, you know, Stella and Carver walked in, but it's just not a good situation at home. So Jenny's mom is like, okay, listen, I don't care anymore. I'm just done with it. And like Stella tries to push her, but the mom is just like, leave me the fuck alone. Like, just get out of here. It's sad that like, there's so much pain there that both of them are just like, no, fuck. They don't know how to handle it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really sad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Stella goes home and she's telling Savaride that, you know, Jenny checked herself into this like shelter for girls, which is really rare for someone who was just in DCF. It's like very a weird situation. And then we get this conversation. I don't know the whole story and people always hide the ugliest parts. I know I didn't tell anyone how bad it really was in my house. Did you? No. Talk about mothers and daughters. Fathers and sons, that, that ain't no picnic either. Um, my senior year, mm-hmm. Benny and I went at it about him cheating on my mom, and I snapped, decked him. I'll never forget looking at him down on the ground. And both of us suddenly realizing that I was a stronger one now. What do you do? Cold as cop buddies on me. Had me thrown in jail overnight. After that, I got the hell out of there. I moved in with April's family. Never went back. How come you turned out so damn good in Kelly Severide? Because of you. Oh, well, yeah. That was a rhetorical question. And like you said, this is where, like, again, always grateful for any little tidbits about Severide and backstory, and I'm here for this. But, like, you know, because earlier Stella made the comment about, like, mothers and daughters, and it really made it seem like you know, it was something, there was something with Stella's backstory. And then Severide even says, he's like, you talked about mothers and daughters, but fathers and sons, like, that's not a picnic either. He like turns it on him. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. It's like a weird way they handled this. I'm not mad that we got that little Severide tidbit, but no. like, I, I was expecting some Stellaride stuff. And I know that her parents aren't in the picture, but I still want to know about them. Yeah. We don't know anything. And Stella's been around for seven seasons at this point. Yeah. 
And we don't know shit. Right, right, right. Where we know that, like you said, we know that Benny's a terrible parent or was a terrible parent. I mean, I just didn't realize he was this shitty. No. And I don't think I realized that Severide lived. I remember him making comments a lot about how he would sneak out and go to April's house. I don't think I realized he lived at April's house. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I can't I can't believe that Benny had him thrown in jail for a night. Yeah, at like 17. Oh my god. Yeah. But it also makes, you know, when he when Severide had that conversation earlier this season with the chief guy mm-hmm. and the chief guy really stuck up for Benny, you can kind of see I'm sure that Benny went to go have those conversations with his friends about like look how terrible my son is. He's not grateful for any like i can kind of see why then now that chief has that perspective that he does being like benny's bff that's so fucked up like that's really fucked up benny destroyed his own family like he blew up severide's life and his mom's life and And made it his life and yeah twins life and yeah and he's really going to try and, like, reframe the narrative so that Kelly's the bad one? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a miracle that Severide has turned out the way he has in light of his, like, shitty upbringing. Yep. Wow. So, Stella goes to see Jenny, and Jenny is, like, still pissed at her mom. And, you know, Stella just tries to reason her with her. She's like, listen, like, you can't control someone else's addiction. Like, that's not on her. And so Jenny ultimately admits that, like, the reason she had all the money in the backpack is because she took the ring that her dad gave her mom and sold it at a pawn shop. And she has, like, really big regrets over that. But luckily, Stella's able to get it back from her. She does her Stella kid thing and, you know, she gets it back. So the episode ends and Stella and Severide drop Jenny back off at her house with her mom. And, you know, Jenny's hesitant to go back in, but Severide gives her like a little, you got this. And it's just like really cute. And she's like, well, you know, it's weird and awkward, but she is, you know, her mom gives her a hug when she walks in the door. So it's not, you know, it's going to take some time getting back used to how their relationship was, but it's not lost forever, which is encouraging to see. And like Severide, it's super quiet about the whole thing like basically stella just kind of rubs his head and they drive away and that's how the episode ends and so yeah i'm i was curious what was going through kelly's head at this point i don't know probably lots of things it was interesting because like he he looked like something was on his mind but i couldn't quite tell what i think it's probably because he gets to see i mean and i'm sure he's happy about it but like even though things are rocky between jenny and her mom i think he kind of gets the idea that that's okay like they're gonna be okay Mm mm-hmm and that, like, he wishes that he and Benny probably could have gone like that. Because even though he and Benny were, some, you know, able to be amicable sometimes, like, it was never great for them. Mm-hmm. And this at least seems like Jenny and her mom are hurting, but, like, they have a chance to be, you know, maybe in a couple years, like, okay. Mm-hmm. Their relationship will find a new normal, whereas Benny's and Severides never did. Never, Yeah, he never got that chance. Yeah. Yeah. How do we feel about this whole story because i feel like this is the first time we get to see stella ride go all gabby dawson like this is their bria i think it's okay because it was both of them Mm -hmm. because if it had been one or the other i think it could have gone a lot more gabby dawson a lot of the bria situation but i think it being both stella and set ride together kind of balanced it out and it never had to worry about 
Stella going too far and like overstepping too much or like Severide, you know, overstepping too much. Like they kind of balanced each other out in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I'm, I'm really glad that Stellarite has not fallen the way that other married couple ships do, um, which sometimes you get a ship and you marry them off and they become old and boring. And Stellarite is not old and boring. And they're not like, they're not finding conflict for Stellarite by like putting their relationship on the rocks. They've found a whole other area of material to deal with for Stellarite that doesn't involve us being like, oh no, they're having issues. I'm really glad that they've done that and they found a way to really still make it exciting and like make it really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, for sure. And I think it makes me even more excited that like, okay, yeah, we talked about how boring it's been that like Severi just seems to play Fire Cop over and over again. But like, it seems like next episode, Stella is going to be thrown in the mix, which it'll at least shake that up a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, I do. I do agree. Yeah, I do agree for sure. That's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, so we got some listener thoughts on this one. Uh, we got we got a tweet or a DM from a listener named Amy. And I always have to put in parentheses, not my Amy. I have to like always differentiate because uh, my best friend is Amy. So uh, different Amy. So she said, I was disappointed that they never discussed Stella and her relationship with her mother. Whenever the issue came up, Kelly switched it to him and his father. Yes, yes. Um, sure, we love Kelly, but we've heard a lot about his dad. It was time to hear about Stella's parents. It was time to hear about Stella's parents. Yeah. And Devin A said something similar. She said, it was a perfect setup to, with Jenny to learn a little bit more about Stella's childhood. And they didn't take the bait. Hoping it could come up later in the season. We've had so, a many a Benny story from Severide's childhood. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, again, I don't hate the tidbit, but like, I, I, I also want to know about Stella's parents too. Yes. And I want to know why they're not in the picture. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Also, side note, if we were you were talking about your Amy, it's something mm-hmm. we did not mention from going back to your wedding real quick. We have mm-hmm. to talk about briefly Amy's amazing podcast shout out in her made in her BFF yes! of Honor speech. Yes. I was thinking about that earlier and I was dying all over again. Yeah. Okay, let, let's tell the story. So um, yeah, so at the reception, um, my two maids of honor, I had two, Amy and Heidi, they both gave toast and Amy had a great one. She, her comedic timing on that was like a plus. I was like, I did not She told know. me she had it like written out, like pause, like she had all the pauses like written out in her speech, which were, they ended up working great. I was really impressed. So like in the middle of her speech, she's like, well, you know, she's talking about 2017 and she's like, I know you're probably thinking like, wait, didn't Gina- Well, no, she said, she said the most important relationship of Gina's life started in 2017. And she's like, I know you're all thinking that wait didn't gina and charlie start dating in 2016 and she's like yes they did she's like but i'm talking about gina's podcast we just have i was i was dying it was so funny the timing was amazing and then what was the quip she made about people magazine at the end i don't know and she said something about like i forget her exact wording but she was like but only one of those relationships has ended up in people magazine and i was like dying it was so funny oh like it was just so funny because like nine times out of ten what happens is that if something like that comes up i'll text ryan and be like that's so funny she was across the table from me so we were just looking at each other like that's amazing when it's so funny too because like half the people in that room still had no idea like what the podcast is or like the fact that you even did a podcast so it was just really i don't know i thought it was hysterical oh it was so so funny it was so good. I got to get her to like send me that, like send me what she had written down. I'm just doing I know. I, I wish. Remember. And I almost took my phone out and recorded her speech. 
like something and then I didn't and now I'm like kicking myself that I didn't record it yeah I was I was hoping somebody got it on video but I mean obviously they didn't obviously my phone was in the bridal suite so uh well and I was sitting right there if anyone should have gotten it I, I had the prime spot for recording but I didn't record Daniel it. didn't even record it dang it I don't um, think he did I'm texting her right now we're recording and Bryna <laughs> just brought up your speech it was so good told these and apparently that was a brenda joke and it's just even it's so funny (laughs) it was just so good i just the podcast shout out made my day it was fantastic it was fantastic and um heidi's repeated justin timberlake mentions were pretty funny as well that was hysterical my favorite thing from heidi's was she she was like yeah but charlie has better hair like that (laughs) whole thing was really funny she's like charlie i like you better because you have better hair than justin timberlake yeah i was gonna say your bridesmaids definitely um your maids of honor uh killed it in the speech i thought their speeches were i i literally had the best bridal party and like the best pod squad that like anybody could ask for and it's like the pod squad were like my extra four bridesmaids it was just so helpful and then like at one point lauren ran an errand for me she needed to grab pens for the guest book and like amy and brian come back and they're just like oh lauren lauren bought you a stress ball i was like oh thank you like just the little touches of like things i didn't know i needed but i did yeah yeah it's just really funny so helpful so helpful and poor pepper thinks that that stress ball is a toy and it's not oh so funny yeah it was a funny but no if we were talking about Amy I was like I forgot to mention that because it has podcast to do but it was just so funny it especially after like having told so many people because like I every time someone would ask me they'd be like you know or whatever and I'd be like oh yeah but I know Gina like we do the podcast I'd be like oh that's you and I'm like yeah or yeah. people be like what's the podcast I'm like never mind you can <laughs> Gina does a podcast all right here we go how much time do you have <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm like how much time do you really want to know about Gina and I's story you know how much do you really want to know i remember at the church like walking out from you know how we had that like that little room and like walking out to go into the actual church and do the ceremony um yes i think i overheard brenda kind of giving charlie's mom the primer on like how i know everybody else and so brenda's like well she's known heidi since like elementary school she's known amy since high school and then she was like Bryna, I can't really remember. And I like turned around and I was like, fifth grade high school Twitter. There, boom, done. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So funny. Really fun. Oh my God. So funny. Um, yeah. And like Bryna and the pod squad were not my only internet friends there. Uh, one of my friends there, I know her from soccer, but like we met in 2005 on live journal. Yeah. And so like, yeah. Internet friends, man. The best friends. The best friends. Like the best friends yeah all right as much as i want to talk about happy stuff we have to talk about pd yeah this is yeah let's stretch it yeah Haley is like a worrying the crap out of me and b stressing me the fuck out yeah but I will say, though, aside from that, because, yes, the content of this episode, like you said, I'm worried about Haley. I She stressed me out. I have lots of questions about that cliffhanger, whatever we want to call it. I really like this episode. I thought this was one of the better episodes of the season, for sure. I don't remember PD being this dark this often, though. Yeah, but that's a kind con- like, I... As in terms of, because I'll be honest, I was not feeling great last night. So 
when I was done live tweeting, I basically fell asleep. Like I missed this entire. That's why I didn't join the FaceTime last night. I was like dead asleep. I figured the minute you didn't join the FaceTime, I was like, she must have conked out. Yeah. I, I mean, I literally saw like the opening scene and that was it. I did not, not even the opening scene, maybe half, two seconds of it. And I like passed out, but so I watched it this morning and like it really PD, I think really makes a difference. Like I think PD is a lot easier to swallow when you don't have to stop every five, seven minutes for commercials Mm -hmm. because watching this in one go, I was like enthralled with it from like the beginning to end. I like did not want it to stop. Like I love, I mean, again, loved is a weird word, but I really enjoyed every moment of this. Interesting, because I I didn't get the chance to go back and rewatch it, but maybe I should. I've been meaning to do that with the Torres episode from last week, and I haven't had the chance to do that either. Yeah. No, I think this one, like I said, PD, I think it's always seemed to work for me more when we get it in like a screener or like mm-hmm. I watch it the next morning and I can be like, oh, that's what happened. Um, but I think this, like I said, I watched it and I was like enthralled from like the beginning to end. I love, again, love is a weird word, but like, I love this episode. I thought Interesting. Okay. Cause the whole time I was just like, God, this is so I dark. Mean, yes. It is also really dark. And I was also really worried about Haley. And I was like, you are not okay, but like, you're going to, you know, I know you're not going to be even more okay until, you know, you know, this girl's okay. But like, I, you know, from a writing perspective, I just, I don't know. I really enjoyed the Torres episode, but like, obviously, you know, given what happened, in, you know, in 1003, and I just, I, I really thought this is a better episode for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's the deal. I mean, I, I, I haven't watched 1003. I won't, I know what happened, but like in this teaser, this is the first time I found myself actually being really mad at Jay for what he did. Yeah. Really mad because we start this episode and Haley is, it's like end of shift. Haley's watching everybody else like go off and have their lives. So like Berzik's going home to Michaela. They're like talking about plumbing and like domestic issues and being adorable. And like Kevin's about to go home to Jordan and have dinner or whatever. And Haley's just still at work. She's just still at work. I will say side note, not necessarily about the plot. The one thing I've also, and I know a couple of people pointed this out on like the internet too. The opening scenes this season have been really strong hmm. because even in like the Torres episode well you didn't watch 1003 but the way they the opening scene in 1003 again 1003 sucks as an episode but the opening scene and the way that like Jay and Haley's movements paralleled each other oh, amazing the opening scene last week with Torres you know going through all the motions and like learning from all the different members of intelligence oh, amazing I just think the opening scenes this year have been like Mwah, chef's kiss i don't know whose idea they are or whatever but they're really good they're really strong yeah it's a good point because i mean this is an interesting one because we're trying to show that Haley just Haley's looking for overtime she's just like she's looking for distraction her- yeah she's throwing herself into work and so they just basically convey this by like it's the same motions where like she ends her shift and goes up the plat but they keep changing the outfit to show that it's night after night after night and so that's really the execution on that is really cool um but like, there's a point where, you know, Kevin's like, do you want to come have dinner with me and Jordan? And she's like, you guys have to stop worrying about me. I'm fine. You're not fine, Haley. You're not fine. And what I needed in this episode, I needed someone to actively intervene and stop her and say, like, I get that you're saying you're fine, but you're not fine. Like, please just come do this one thing with us, like actively intervene because Haley is so self-destructive 
when yeah. it comes to dealing with emotions and dealing yep. with pain and you know it stems back from that horrible childhood she had yeah but why i well I, the close like, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead Sorry. no go ahead go ahead I was gonna say the closest you get is Platt because Platt says, you know, like does she at the end she's like, listen, like I'm gonna have to report it if you keep doing like you have a mandatory rest period, like you can't just keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's like, distraction, it doesn't work forever. And Haley's like, no, 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 that's not what this is. Like, I just want more hours. And it's like, no, like Platt, like it's the one time I wish Platt had been more Platt and like push harder. Yeah. Yeah. I need everybody to drop their shtick, is what I need. Like I bet like everybody in intelligence is just kind of like, well, you can come with us if you want, but if not, like, we're just going to let you do Haley. I need everybody to like drop their thing and get real with her and be like, Haley, like we are worried about you. Like you, you're not sleeping. You're not eating. Like we are worried about you. They need to get well, serious with her. And I wonder, and we'll talk more about this with the way it ends and you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but I wonder if in the continuation, which is supposedly going to be episode seven is another Haley episode. I wonder if now that people see just kind of how far she went with this case, if now they're going to do, if we're going to get a scene like that and now we'll finally see something like that. But it also makes me mad if that, if that does happen too, because it's like, why did it take Haley going to the end of this case for you guys to then realize that like she wasn't okay? Right. You knew it from the get-go. You've worked with her for how many seasons? You were talking about it last week with Torres. Yeah. Like they were all talking about it last week with Torres and you know they shouldn't have if we do get a scene like that in episode seven or even next week but probably episode seven let's be real like it will just be like okay that's great and I'll accept it but it's like why did it take that long but I don't want it coming from Voight no it needs to come from pretty much it it needs to come from pretty much anyone else and I think it would even do really good if it comes from Torres too even though Torres doesn't have the same connection mm-hmm. like it really needs to come from pretty much anyone else I need I need them to step up for her like the kind of the way you guys stepped up for me last week when I was like in the throes of stress but like basically I mean like I need Burgess and Ruzik to basically be like look like come crash with us like come have a good night play with Mac or whatever and then like stick her in a dark room and make sure the girl sleeps like she's being self-destructive and the thing is is that's not i mean you know like that's not going to be the end all like that is not the cure Mm -hmm. it is not the cure to what Haley's going through nothing's going to cure it right but you have to make sure that she's taking care of herself because if she doesn't take care of herself then she's not mentally ever going to get into a decent place Mm -hmm. yeah exactly that exactly that and this is why like I just found myself so angry at Jay in this teaser because like you look back on it and I mean in in the article that basically detailed that he's going to direct there was basically kind of a snippet of dialogue in there from the scene where Jay says goodbye to Haley and he's like we're going to get through this it's going to be like eight months or less or whatever and like it basically goes into detail about how like he thought this was right for him newsflash to Jay okay if you were not married to her if you were still a bachelor this would have been the right choice for you you are married you are married. That in and of itself and the fact that you are going to leave Haley makes it the wrong choice. You well, married her. Here's the thing, though. The thing about this is I don't think it's necessarily the wrong choice. I think the way he goes about it is the wrong way. I don't think there's any pro- – I don't think if he had had a conversation with Haley and said, like, I really need to get out of here. I have a chance to go to Bolivia, you know, help all these things. I don't think there's anybody that would be like, you know what? Okay, fine. And Haley, especially because Haley would be on board with it. 
it's the way that he was just like snuck up on her decided all this kind of behind her back was basically like i'm leaving you for eight months maybe more okay bye that's really the problem no one actually has a problem with him going to bolivia especially for himself i mean but like if he said if Haley if he had had a conversation with Haley and he was like listen I got this opportunity I'm not okay I think I need to leave for a little bit I think Haley would have said you should go and I think everything would have been okay Really? Yeah. Maybe okay maybe I'm not the best person to be analyzing this right now because I've only been married for about 6 days. But I uh it just like it's really selfish of him to be like, I need to leave peace out. Bye. You just like, and when you know, you know how your wife ticks, you know where she stands mentally, you know, she had to work so hard to get herself to a place where she was like, you know what? I am worthy of this love to just like throw it away like that. It's just bullshit. Well, the thing is, like I said, I, I think if he, and Haley had a long conversation about it. I think they could have gotten to a place where they were both okay with the decision. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Haley would have been with okay with it right away or whatever, but I think she would have eventually gotten to a place where she was okay with him leaving. I think the fact that he snuck it up on her is where it's wrong. And this is just like Gabby's exit. How when we when it happened, we were like, "The fuck! This is ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense." You don't just leave your husband without talking to him. And again, that was the thing that always bugged me about Gabby's too. Is that like Casey knows Gabby? Like if she had just said, "Hey, I really want to stay in Puerto Rico," like you know, or like I want to go to Puerto Rico. Like this is what I'm doing. I don't think. I mean, well, Monica was never coming back to the show, so it's a little different too. But like. I don't think, you know, I think that's a different conversation. Although Gabby wanted to stay in Puerto Rico for ever, basically. So maybe they would have still ended. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it, I think the biggest problem is not talking about it. Because I think, again, I think they could have come up with some sort of solution. If he, if he had just talked to Haley about it, we would not be here. I'm mad. Like, I'm just, I'm really mad that, like, A, they did that to i mean they wrote it that way and be that like jay just left her like that i'm just like and and that's that's the other question too there's multi there's a lot of facets to this whole jay exit but like say he does come back after eight months which he's not like nobody comes back in one chicago let's just be real like say he comes back do they recover from this i don't know i don't even know do they make it do, do they even make it through this to have something to recover if i am Haley, absolutely not well, and that's the thing that, I'll, which, I mean, again, we don't need to harp on this for forever. Yes, we do. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. It makes me really wonder, you know, worry about, like, what they're going to do to Upstead. Because if Jesse really does, like, come back ever, which it doesn't seem like he is at this point. I mean, you can't just have, I mean, like, I get it. People want to say that, like, yes, in the white space, theoretically, like, Jay and Haley can be married forever and, like, happily ever after. But this is TV drama. They're not going to do that. Exactly. They're not going to have Haley and Jay just married off screen and never see Jay. It's just not going to happen. As much as we wish it would happen, it's not. Yeah. It's this not. is TV drama. It just isn't. That's not to say that Jay, what, Jesse would never come back to like write Tracy off the show or, you know, have Upton leave whenever that happens. But like, they're not going to just have Upstead married and happy and in love off screen. It's just not going to happen. 
I mean, if I'm Haley and my husband comes back from Bolivia after leaving me for eight months, I'm like, my trust is completely damaged. I'm going to be like, how do I know you're not going to leave me again? When especially it doesn't seem like they're talking right now. Which is even more fucked up. Yep. Which again, and 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 it is similar to Gabby in that aspect of that she just up and left, but it's also similar to Gabby in that it was a really tough pill to swallow, but we had to swallow it and recognize it as canon. Yeah. It kills me that I have to rip Jay Halstead to shreds, but I have to. Yep. Like it's canon and I hate it. I hate it so much. But like mm-hmm. And then the other part of me is also like, why am I so protective of Haley? Why am I just like ripping and ready to kick anybody's ass? But I think it's because Haley, Haley is, she has a lot of very relatable pain, right? She presents herself as this total badass who has it all together, but underneath it, she is so vulnerable and, you know, so like, I don't want to say emotionally fragile, but like, she's got a lot of pain there. And so the fact that, you know, she she found this person who she thought was going to protect that pain and, you know, not not fix it, but like, you know, be delicate with it and handle that pain. The fact that he just added to it, it just is just infuriating, in my opinion. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think the other part of why we're so mad about it is like why we're really still not over it is on the flip side of it is like yes we're very protective of Haley now but on the flip side we've been protective of jay for so long and we loved him and even through a lot of his mistakes you know we've been able to re you know rationalize them and you know come to some sort of okay but we still love him and this is the first time that they've written him in a way where we're just like i don't understand who is this is not the same jay halstead that we love for nine seasons no it's just not no and they can say all they want, but like, it's just not. I get it. If he were not married to her, going to Bolivia would have been. I would have been fine with it. But you married her. You don't get to just up and leave her for eight months. That's that's ridiculous. Not without having a conversation with your wife first. I mean, I don't think she would have been okay with it, even if they had had the conversation. Uh, I think they would have, but that's different. I mean, regardless, he needed to communicate it with Haley first, not just like shock her with it but now the point is is that she is spiraling and like jay had to know she was gonna spiral without him yeah but he told her if he loves her or if she loves him then he'll let you know that is the most emotionally manipulative bullshit i have ever heard yep like that makes me really mad and again this is it's canon you just have to take it for what it is yeah gina it's canon it's canon just like your wedding weekend. It was canon. Yeah, literally everything that happened during my wedding weekend, I was like, okay, it's canon. That's just, we're rolling with it. It's canon. Yeah. 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 Ooh. Ooh. So Haley's spiraling. This poor thing. She's trying to get over time. She's not sleeping. Like when you don't sleep, like you're a risk to yourself because like all of your like motor functions like decline. Mm-hmm. My God. Okay. So Haley goes on a raid and she gets partnered up with some random guy, whatever. So they're staying in the car. They're just kind of like, since they're on overtime, they're just like secondary. They're just kind of like watching just in case the raid goes south and the raid goes south. So she ends up in an abandoned building and she finds the body of this girl who like was just, she's tied up and she's barely alive. She's alive, but like barely. And so Haley's trying to help her and all the girl can say is like, run, just run. And Haley gets hit over the head with like some sort of something hard. I don't know. She gets knocked out is basically what it is. Um, 
Also, like, really good fake out on the promo photo because this was in the promo photos and they tagged it as Patty, but it was just somebody who looked like Patty. It wasn't okay. Rizek. Did that guy, he kind of reminded me as like a cross between Josh Sagara and Zico. I didn't see it that way, but now you do, though. Now I do. And I was like, okay, this guy could stick around. If he wanted to be in this episode more, I wouldn't have complained. I wouldn't have either. Oh, side note. Did you see the video that Zico posted the other day of him with Missy Peregrine's baby? Yes. And I like my ovaries exploded. It was so cute. Oh my God. It was so cute. That also reminds me that I have to catch up on international. I'm like two behind. I um, think I'm one behind. So bad. I'm definitely behind though. So cute. So cute. Oh yeah. man. And like the baby's like pulling at Zico's beard. And he's just like, Mila, stop it. Oh my God. It's Zico so with babies. I just, I can't. I know. I know. I still, I need Zico in Chicago. I need to see it so bad. Okay. Haley is spiraling. This is the perfect time for OA to show up in Chicago. I'm just <laughs> saying. I mean, if she's not going to talk to anybody else and she's not going to talk to Will, we're just going to pretend that like she and OA have this great friendship from when she was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OA, come to Chicago. Please. I need it. I need OA in Chicago. I know. And specifically on PD. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So Haley gets knocked out. She wakes up and she's got blood like all over her face, first of all. Um, but there's no sign of the girl. And she's like, Where'd the girl go? And he's like, There was no girl here. Like, what are you talking about? And all Haley finds is just blood. So that's that. So Voight pulls up, Haley fills him in, and she's like, I think I found something that has nothing to do with this case. Like, I think I just, like, stumbled upon this case. And so they start running things, nothing pops. Um, But they find some security cam footage, and nothing from after Haley found her, but it's all from before. But they do, uh, they find some guy that, like, brought her into the building. So they go to the abandoned house where they think the guy first found her, and Haley finds this guy who like swears that he's just there to find one of his kids from the center that he works at. So he's like, no, I'm just like, I work at the center. I'm trying to find my kid, but also I guess you work for my dad. It's chief O'Neill's son. Sean. Sean. Not only is it chief O'Neill's son, it's Jimmy from Yellowstone. It's Jimmy. Yeah, sure. Again, I, I know, I know you tried it. I know you couldn't get into it, but like Jimmy from Yellowstone is the complete opposite of sean o'neill like really oh god he is one of the most beloved characters on yellowstone jimmy is just precious like he's one of those like protect at all costs kind of characters that's funny so i think i think they did a good job in casting him because a lot of people watch yellowstone and so a lot of us had a lot a hard time just kind of like envisioning jefferson white as like this other character we're like there's no way he he could be bad because all we see is jimmy from from the ranch so um yeah, you gotta give Yellowstone a second chance. It's so good. And there's such a good ship on it. I know. I know. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So they bring Sean in for questioning and they're like, hey, this girl, Abby, she's been missing for like two days. It's not like her. So Sean went looking for her because he was afraid that she was going to relapse. Enter Chief O'Neill. He's pissed. He's pissed. Because Haley has him in the interrogation room. So like, mm, I get it. But 
you know, everything that Sean said seems to match up. But Chief O'Neill's like, why the fuck is he in here? What are you doing? Like, get him out of here. This is bullshit. And so they all go into Voight's office and, you know, they're doing whatever. So Haley's running point while this is happening out in the bullpen. And she's like, we need more evidence. We need to do this, this, and this. And while that's happening, we hear Chief O'Neill. And he's just like, I know her husband's gone. I know why. I know full well she's pulling over time. And I know what that means. So, like, if she's mentally exhausted. And Haley's about to go like defend herself she's about to go like scorched earth and be like listen motherfucker like here's what's going on and kim stops her we got some really good upton and burgess scenes this episode yeah when i think the thing that i liked about it is like i know it was you know a lot of people are like why isn't kim like checking in on Haley? you know all that stuff i think this is the right like if we ever are gonna get to like up just friendship we have to get there organically and i think this is like we got the up just moments that felt authentic to where their relationship is. Yeah. Cause like, I think if we all of a sudden have like Kim checking in on Haley and like being her person, like that just feels weird. Cause it's like, and I think that's what they were trying to do back in the day with Aaron and Kim. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we didn't get a lot, but when we got, they were trying to jump like three steps ahead and it was just like, we're not there yet. It's a good point. But like this, I feel like we're, it's like the step in the right direction. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah, that's a good point. So the other interesting thing about this, I mean, Haley goes in, she's about to go into Voight's office and Twitter pointed out something cool too, is that if you look behind her, Torres is ready to follow her. And so uh, a lot of people on Twitter were like, was he going to back her? Was he going to stop her? What was he going to do? And I just thought that was such an interesting observation because that's something that you could expand on in the white space and be like, who knows where that was about to go. I didn't even catch that. That is really interesting. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting observation because that could have gone in 15 different directions of like, what, yeah. was, what was Torres going to do? Like, yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, but Haley stops, or not Haley, Kim stops Kim. and is like, Haley, I get it. Not now. Like, yeah. not now. Which, like, I'm glad she's at least got somebody reining her in. Yeah. Like I said, it's protective of her in a way that feels authentic to where their relationship is. Yeah. Because yeah. again, I think if we, you know, jump too far and we get like so many deep up just moments and like that just feels weird at this moment because we're not, we're not there yet. Right. Right. We're not there yet. Nope. Yeah. But like but- you said, I do agree that I'm glad that someone, and I think I'm glad it was Kim of all people that like, you know, was the one to kind of be like, no, like we're not, no, not now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all I need. I need somebody to, I need somebody looking. Just have her. her back. Yeah. 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 That's all I need because I mean, if she's left to her own devices, she's going to spin out. Yep, she's going to spin out, and so you know that was good to see. Um, so they need more on this girl Abby. So Sean's like, no, I want to help. Like I'm stepping up. I want to help out. So Haley goes with him to the center, and he tells her what he knows. And she's an addict, but she just got sober with their help. And then she he explains the title of the episode, which is Pink Cloud. Here's the clip. Yeah, she's an addict. She's been using and living on the streets for a couple of years, but she just got sober with our help. Do you have anything more recent? Who are her friends? Who does she date? Where does she sleep? Would she have gone willingly to that trap house? It's a lot of questions. Yeah. Ever heard of the pink cloud? No. It's a term in sobriety. There's this feeling you get right after you get sober, once you detox. This feeling that Maybe everything's going to be okay. You can handle it, right? You're invincible. But it's just a cloud. 
It's just a trick. It doesn't last long. Pain always finds you. That's how Abby was feeling. I bet. Yeah, I bet she was feeling good. But she was feeling capable. She wasn't ready to deal with the pain underneath that. The only way out of that is through. What? You talk in a lot of cliches. It's because they're usually true. Ugh, the pain always finds you, Haley, baby. Yeah. Mm. I know. It was like, he obviously wasn't talking about Haley, but just everything he said was like very much Haley in this moment. And I was just like, but Haley. So it was, you remember when Jay was attending therapy and Haley was like, you need to go or I'm going to find a new partner. Yes. Does Haley regularly attend therapy? I hope so. I really hope so. Let's be real. It should be a requirement that if you're going to be an intelligence, you have to go to therapy. Right. Because they all need therapy. Let's be real. They do, though. They do. Yeah. So I hope so. Because I, I, yeah, I just, there is something about Haley being left to her own devices that really unsettles me. Um, and I, I don't know why that is, but it just is. But um, Sean says Abby started pulling back, not talking to her friends. And Haley talks to the friends. And eventually one leaves and goes out the back to call Abby. Um. And so Haley brings him in for questioning and Sean meets them there. Here's the clip. I thought you were gonna help. This is me helping the kids in my care. This is not helping. I know this system. My dad runs this system and I've seen it myself more than once. You're not gonna apprehend and question a kid of mine without a lawyer and a child advocate present. Of course I'm not gonna do that. I don't know what your dad's told you about me, but I'm not the kind of cop that chews up a kid. My dad says you're falling off the deep end. My dad says you're falling off, falling the, deep off end. the deep end. I, I was will, like, Jesus. I will fight him. Well, it's one thing to like think of, think that in your head, but then mm-hmm. to say it and to say it to like your son. So you're clearly talking about it like at home. It's just like, no. And she is falling off the deep end, but it's one of those things where it's only okay when intelligence says it. And by intelligence, right. I just mean Berzikwater and Torres. Yeah, not Voight. Not Voight and not O'Neill. Keep her name out of your mouth. Yeah yeah so fucked uh will you take it from here yeah so Haley and kim question the kid and basically he hands over the you know he hands over his phone hands over abby's number because they want to try to use it to track her but her number basically is linked to pay as a go burner and she just brought it two weeks ago so they do find though that it pinged like an outlier location in ravenswood and it's while it was in that location, it connected to the personal hotspot of a Malcolm Kenning. Um, he's got no priors or, you know, anything that would have seemed like a suspect. But he does have the same kind of minifan from the security footage. So they're like, okay, well, it's a stretch, but, like, we're going with it. It's all we got at this point. So they move on his van, and they don't find him. And but Haley sees this kind of, like, elaborate computer setup. And so, obviously... So she doesn't want her DNA on the thing. So she does this move where she like takes her sweatshirt and, you know, covers it over her hands so she can hit the mouse. And when she does that and the screensaver goes away, she basically ends up finding all these naked photos of Abby on his computer. I'm not even mad. Yeah. No, not even mad. But I don't think she did anything wrong. If they had a warrant to go in there, I think she's good. No. Yeah. 
no, I don't think, yeah. If if this was wrong, then I don't want to be right. Like, but also like you didn't have your computer passworded. Criminals are dumb. Apparently mm-hmm. real dumb. So basically they're like, okay, well now we've got like a trafficking situation going on and as all, all kinds of bad situations. So they're start tracking all of Kenning's other cars, potential places he might go. Haley gets a call from Sean saying that, like, Abby called him for help, and he's heading there now, but gives him the address. So, Haley and Kim roll up on the scene. They find Sean, but they don't find Abby. They try calling her again, but all they hear is the phone ringing. So, they finally, you know, hear from someone else in intelligence that, like, they get a hit on a van heading towards Humboldt Park. So... Basically, what ends up happening, Haley finds Abby with a gun on the roof and the body of who is presumably Malcolm Kenning. And, you know, Haley at one point at this point is like giving Abby the pep talk she probably needs to hear herself. But it doesn't really matter because ultimately Abby ends up walking off the ledge and kills herself. Oh, it hurts. That was really hard to watch. Really hard to watch. Like, it wasn't even graphic because obviously they didn't show the body like splat on the ground. You don't even hear the noise. It's mm-hmm. just like is what it is, but it's still very graphic for being such a silent scene. You got to give a trigger warning when you're going to have scenes like that. Like, yeah, you got to do that. But like, I just that was a lot, a lot to stomach, like a lot to process. And and I mean, Haley finally finds the strength to give this pep talk that, you know, like you said, parallels what she's going through and like still kind of loses the battle yeah it's a lot yeah but it's a good reminder to hearing her say like you know it's not always going to feel this way i think people lose sight of that sometimes yeah so then Haley goes all detective on the whole thing she's still something about everything is not sitting right with her so she starts looking into sean and then it leads her to all these other missing girls and basically where we end the episode is Voight comes in and Haley tells him that there's a fake address and we get this scene it was a false address yeah we linked it loosely to kenning but i don't think abby was ever even there i think sean gave me a fake lead to buy time so he could call kenning himself to kill abby and then flee town have you got proof of a call no i don't there was no burner found on kenning and it's not in any of his records but that doesn't mean it didn't happen sean has been playing me this entire time i found him at the trap house i let him sit in on the interview with blake he was looking for information but not because he cares because he wanted Haley, to what are you actually saying abby jumped off that roof when i said sean's name I saw it. That's why she jumped. There are over two dozen young girls that have gone through his doors at Safe Place that no longer exist. What if they didn't just fall through the cracks? What if the wolf has been in the hen house this entire time, hiding in plain sight, helping them, protecting them, what if we need to wake the hell up? I'm saying the chief's son is trafficking underage girls. And yeah, that's how the episode ends. So I, I 
I was thinking about this today about, you know, her theory and what she's onto. First of all, I'm going to be pissed if this doesn't pan out and people are just going to blame this on her, like having not slept or anything. Like, yeah, I'm going to be pissed if it doesn't pan out. But the other part of me says that I think she's in a place right now where, you know, she has been so burned by the men in her life that Mm -hmm. she's actively looking for a reason not to trust Sean. Yeah. Because she's been so badly hurt by all of the men she's let into her life. Yeah. It's just sad. It's just, I feel so bad for her. Like she just needs to be protected. She needs somebody to step up and just be there for her. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. But on I the will... flip side, like, she'd better be right because I'm going to be really mad if she's not. And people are just like, she's going crazy. She's going off the deep end. I will say, though, given it didn't end with, like, a to be continued or anything like that. But this is one of those moments where as much as we hate, you know, we talk about, like, we want to see balance and whatever and other characters, whatever. I kind of hate that we're going to get, like, a random Atwater episode next week. Like, I'd almost rather have the continuation and just kind of finish the storyline. Hmm. We don't get that in Chicago PD. Come on, Brian. You know I, that. I know. But like the fact that it's going to be like between episodes and I just, I don't know, like it just feels weird. Like you're going to have a continuation. You're not going to probably touch on it at all next week. And then they're just going to go back to like focusing the week after when we get another Haley episode. It's Yeah, weird. but do we resolve this in two episodes or does this give us the mid-season? Well, so, okay. So of I learned all this from Lauren. So six is Atwater. Seven is Haley. Eight is Kim. I think Kim. And then nine is mid-season. And then nine is mid-season. But we So did... how do we go from seven being Haley to eight being Kim? Like, what happens? You know, again, like, do they bring it back into Kim's story with, like, her PTSD and all that stuff? No idea. No idea. But there was also the there was also the casting call that went out from the extras page. They were looking for somebody to double one of their actors like in in a hospital scene so it sounded like they were looking for a double for ruzik right so it's, we thought that there was a hot second we were like oh no patty got hurt again like or ruzik got hurt again oh fuck he might have he might still in the mid-season we don't know i don't know i'm not saying it doesn't link to the mid-season and that it gets wrapped up in seven i just wish it just feels it's one of those things where it's like we're not going to probably address it at all at six and it feels weird that we're not going to address it all at six I mean, it's the like downfall of PD. Again, my bar is low. As long as nobody leaves, I don't care. Like, that's fine. Just everybody stay, please. That's all I want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, the other thing I do want to address about this episode is the lack of Adam. There was a lot of Adam missing in this episode. Yeah. Um. I was a little concerned at first because, you know, again, we have trust issues. So I was like, oh, shit, I wonder if, like, is something going on? Like, with Patty, is he, uh, what's going on? There was a lot of, like, there was, there were a lot of moments where it was just Torres and Bergewater and Haley and nothing else. Um, And I'm sure other people noticed it, too. Um, But I think the resounding theory is that, um, you know, if you're, if you're on socials, um, you know, most of us follow Patty's girlfriend, Reem, and we think that that's the week she had COVID. So he probably had to isolate too. I love how everyone just like, like, oh yeah, Reem had COVID that week. So like Patty isolated. It's just like, Jesus. We have trust issues. Okay. You also saw him 
afterwards on set. Like the week after. Yeah, you filmed. Or yeah. when you were at filming, not you yeah. filmed, but like, and he was there. <laughs> I wish. Oh, I wish. That's like and like, but he was there. So yeah. like, we know he's not gone from the show. No, 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 no. But like, is he on his way out is what concerned me, but probably not. No. 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 How many times have we been like, oh, wait, where was Kevin in this episode? And then the next episode's like a Kevin episode. We have trust issues. I know. I know. I know. I'm a one Chicago fan. I have trust issues. We have trust issues. That's all. That's all. We're yeah, needy. No, we, we have a fear of abandonment at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had some listener thoughts here because, you know, Haley's onto this theory that the chief's son is trafficking underage. That is a hell of an accusation. Yep. Like, damn. Yep. And then it begs the question, like, is Chief O'Neill in on it? Like, oh, ooh. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so Beth said, I just want to know why the writers put Haley and Kim through more trauma than the male characters. Amen. Yep. Oh, my yep. goodness. Like, at this point, Haley is the Meredith Grey of CPD. Probably of all of one Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Women are more than they're suffering. We don't suffer all the time. Yep. And just because PD is a darker show doesn't mean that our characters lives have to be darker you can that is why you have cases bingo bingo and like so on the group chat last night because usually the pod squad facetimes right after the shows go on like i was just kind of like spitballing ideas and i was just like dude when is the last time Haley upton felt joy when is the last time she smiled at something and this is the same i've asked this question of kim burgess too in the past i'm just like when is the last time one of those two felt a positive emotion yeah i don't know you're completely right. Just because that, just because their jobs are heavy, does not mean their lives have to be heavy too. Right. And obviously, like, Burgess has Mac, but like, surely still. Haley's got some sort I mean, of interest or something. Just because of the Kim has Mac, I mean, what is last season? Right. That doesn't mean anything. Right. Right. And like all we've had with Adam, like obviously Adam kind of learned that his dad is not trustworthy, but like, still, about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. He probably goes home and like plays Animal Crossing with Michaela or something. The dull. Yeah, it's not heavy. Duh. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, uh, it's a completely valid point. So Cindy said, "I can't be the only one waiting to see it to be continued at the end of La- PD last night." Seems for the next episode make it seem like they moved on, which is a little confusing. Again, I think it's just the unfortunate PD, you know, way they've structured things now. This is what PD does. I'm not surprised. No, but last year, the thing is, is like last season, especially in the first half of the season, how many times did it feel like, I mean, with the Jay, Haley, Voight, you know, Roy stuff, like we had like consistent episodes where even if it wasn't the focus, we got like a mint, you know, Jay and Haley, it was still Jay, Haley, and Voight. Mm-hmm. And I just, next week, I don't know. We'll see what happens next week, but it just seems a little weird that we're not going to get a mention of it probably. Yeah, I mean, but that's just PD. Like, they're very choosy about when they want to add continuation and not. Just because it's PD doesn't mean it's good writing or anything. It's not, I don't, I don't think that's the right story choice. I I just don't. Oh, and I agree with you. I agree with you. But, you know, anyway, what are you going to do? 
Manny said, I thought this was a decent episode. I'm feeling for Haley. She doesn't deserve any of this, but has kind of just been left to deal. And of course she did what we knew she was always going to do, which is pick up a case. I just feel for her that she feels so alone, despairing, all of the emotions that she's feeling that she can't go home. That is alarming in and of itself. Yeah. Like, yeah. So Manny said, I'm glad Kevin was able to come alongside her a little bit and pay a bit more attention than the rest of them seem to. It's like everyone's afraid of her. And I'm glad that at least she's able to have some kind of shorthand with Kevin. Yeah. 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 Um, In the future, I hope they can at least let Haley do something healthy with her emotions, like express them to someone or not bury herself in work. I get it's a cop show that has a dark edge to it, but at least let our people not be so miserable all the time. Maybe they could do what they did with Violet for Haley. That would be nice. Can somebody write that white space fic where, like, Violet and Haley, like, cross paths? Oh, that would be interesting. Grieving in two different, very different ways. Yeah. 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 I would like that. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, Devin A said, love the episode. It hurts to see Haley somewhat drowning herself into work to avoid her pain and the emptiness at home, but it made the episode. I like the flow of the episode that involved all the members of the team. This is what we want from episodes. You can still spotlight one person and give us small ensemble interactions to make it seem realistic. Mm-hmm. She also said, how long do we think it's been since Jay left? Three weeks? A month? Probably. Yeah, I'd say somewhere between like three to five weeks, probably. And she's got seven more months ahead at least. At least. Yeah. Ugh gross and like the the fact that like she doesn't want to go home like in that giant space of her like she doesn't feel safe at home that's huge although i think she switched apartments but yes you think Haley like moved out of there no well in the episode well in the episode you didn't watch it looks like more of the first apartment and maybe that's just a set thing but they were definitely not in the new apartment for sure they looked like they were in the old apartment he better be sending money home for his half of the mortgage. Yeah. Same. Especially if they're still in this sick place, you know, with all the windows. Ah, I'm so mad at him. Oh, my God. Ugh. So Heather B said, whoever's job it is to come up with these opening scenes where we see a character in their own head over a progression of days is doing a phenomenal job. This is what you said earlier. Yeah. This one especially did a great job of showing us how isolated Haley's feeling and that the rest of the team can see it, but maybe doesn't know what to do. We also got little details like Torres's family is from Guatemala and um, Ben, Ben is from Guatemala. So that's a cool little tidbit there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to find the opening scene for, I know you don't want to watch any of 1003, but when I watched the 1003 one, I was like, this scene has Gina like all over it. Like, it's just so, it's one of those things where you're like, it's written so well, like it's, Mm, it's so good the execution is like really good it's so good because even at one point they have like Haley like tapping her fingers on like different things and then they mimic it with jay and like he's tapping his fingers on like the steering wheel and what like it's just like oh it's i mean it's terrible but it's so good like the screenwriter in you would like nerd when you would die yeah probably probably but that is my forbidden episode of pd i can't do it i cannot do it i Still can't believe that they put us through a night like that where we had to say goodbye to Hawkins and Jay in the same night. I know. I still can't believe, A, that they put us through it and B, that we survived it. Yeah. Well, it's just like, like I said, those weird things. Cause then obviously when you, like you said earlier, it's like Brian's leaving in nine and then how so weird that you're going to have two departed characters from this season come back to both direct episodes 16. 
It's like, what is with these coincidences? Yeah, I'm so confused. I just, I have so many questions. Like, I have so many questions. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so who is this from again? Heather B. Heather went on to say, I also loved how Jefferson White played Sean. Sean never really looked at Haley while they were talking until he thought he needed to make her uncomfortable. Like when he asked if it bothered her that he could see her pain. Such a good choice on White's part because it made his character feel a little off even before we find out he's now Haley's suspect. That's a good observation. Didn't, I didn't even pick catch that up. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good observation. Those are the kind of observations that I live for. Yeah. Okay, so Heather also said Abby's panic attack on the roof also reminded me of Haley's panic attack in episode four of last season with the way she kept repeating I can't and how she changed at the mention of Sean's name. The same way she changed when Voight came in. That was also when Jay had his realization the same way Haley had hers. Interesting mirroring. That's the, that, that's the kind of stuff yeah. that's like my jam. Yep. Um, I did want someone to ask what the chief meant when he yelled that he knew why Jay left. Everyone was there. Why not ask what he meant? Because they would have lost track of what was going on with Abby. Yeah, I guess. But yeah. yeah, it is interesting that like, I don't know, that whole conversation was just like weird. Yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, she also said, I think it was a bit odd that they went with the storyline of a girl being with DCFS since she was six and then growing up in foster care and Kim never had a this could have been Michaela moment. Seems like the storyline might have been better tailored for her and Adam. Okay, but in all fairness, they're trying to show how Haley is diving into work and she's numbing herself. Yeah. So, I mean, it might have, I mean, I think each character would have approached it differently. So, I mean teach their own but i think they needed they they needed something really dark for Haley to sink her teeth into Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm scared for her like i am yeah it's really striking a chord with me and i don't know why it's gonna it's gonna get bad yeah yeah any other and i hope it'll just be one of those situations where it gets bad before it gets better And that, like, she'll be okay, but I also worry that it's just going to get bad and stay bad. But, like, this is PD's thing is that, you know, they're able to intervene in these criminal cases and, like, save people's lives. When it comes to their own lives, they have to let it get worse before they realize, oh, wait, this is a problem. That's what I'm saying is, like, I think it's going to continue to get bad. Like, we know that. I just hope it's one of the situations, like you said, that, like, before she realizes it's a problem, like, it, it gets bad, but it'll get better. And that it's not just her staying in the bad. Right. Right. I just want somebody to be there to help her out of it, and it can't be Voight. Fuck that guy. Nope. No. no. Literally anyone else. Literally anybody but Voight or Chief O'Neill, because fuck that guy, too. Yeah. Or Sean. No. You gotta be specific. Bergewater or Torres? That's all I want. Berzik water. Yeah. Berzik water. Sorry. Berzik water. Any other notes on PD? No, but this was, I mean, again, dark. TV's gotten really dark and the content really sucks, but it was a good episode. Yes. Yeah. When I mean, like drug busts and things like that are fine, but when you get into child trafficking and all that stuff, oh man, it's like, it's when heavy. it's just been so heavy, like on the children this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, can we stop torturing children for like two seconds? Mm-hmm. Go back yeah. to adults. <laughs> right. Right. All right. I think that's about all we've got for today yeah yeah cool so um as always you know where to find us facebook twitter instagram tumblr tiktok you guys come on um 
TikTok. Your TikTok today was hysterical. I thought it, I did that thing where I make myself laugh. And usually when I make myself laugh, that means it's terrible, but also funny. Uh, yeah, just follow us there. Um, rumor has it YouTube is getting handles now. So pretty soon we'll just be like, go check out our YouTube page at Meet Us at Molly's. Uh, but that hasn't happened yet. So uh, yeah, if you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check the link to our Patreon page on our socials. We have a lot of fun there. And we're just a big giant family. You guys, they made a 22 minute video for me for my wedding. 22 minutes. Like, holy shit, you guys. I mean- Eight of it was Jimmy, but yeah, still. Part of it was Jimmy threatening Charlie and being like, if you hurt her, I will kill you. <laughs> still amazing. the most iconic video. Uh, amazing. Amazing. So uh, yeah, check out the link to our patron group. We're a big giant family and that's not an exaggeration. We are a big giant family. Yeah. Um, yeah so check that out. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV. Bryna. I am at Brianna K13. So the shows are off next week and so are we. We're going to take the week off. I think, I don't know about you, but I still need to recover from my own wedding. Yeah, you'll probably hear our Jake interview, but other than that, you probably won't hear from us. No. So yeah, so we're taking off next week as well. You'll hear back from us the next week for the episodes that are on the second. I won't be here. I was going to say, you'll hear from me, not you. Yeah. um, One of our friends will be stepping in to cover um but yeah i will be in europe so uh yeah you guys in the meantime everybody have a great weekend put the one chicago down for a little bit get some levity watch a comedy like curl up on the couch watch some football do your thing um but yeah so in the meantime everybody have a great weekend and you will hear from us next week when we chat with our new bff jake Lockett. so (laughs) bye guys (laughs) 